Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what is up, everyone? Hope you had an awesome weekend. Welcome to a Monday edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Patterson, Michael Remus with you. And uh, got a fun show coming up. Uh, lots to get to. Um, coming out of a very busy weekend. Playoff action, of course, in the National Hockey League and the NBA. And an absolutely heartbreaking end to the season for the Manitoba Moose. Um, almost I- incredible the way things shook out in the two games against the Milwaukee Admirals. Um, no lack of fight in the Moose, battling back. Uh, but when you see how this one ended, uh, <laughs> uh, you just got to shake your head. Uh, nevertheless, great season for the Moose overall. We're going to break it down and uh, recap the year and the playoff series. And unfortunately, the heartbreak on the weekend with Dan Fink a little bit later on in the program. Uh, more Jets offseason talk and a look ahead to Winnipeg Blue Bomber training camp with Jeff Hamilton of the Winnipeg Free Press. And we're also going to bring in Bomber linebacker Adam Big Hill, who was back at Central Washington on the weekend, going into his alma mater's Football Hall of Fame. Talk to him a little bit more about the offseason and a look ahead to training camp as the Bombers get ready to uh, start the unfinished business tour of 2023 after the heartbreaking loss in last year's Grey Cup. Um, So it should be good. We'll be all over the playoffs and much more. So stick with us. And uh, if you're new and you're just finding the channel, make sure to hit that red subscribe button with us here on YouTube. And of course, you can always find the audio version of Winnipeg Sports Talk wherever you get your favorite podcast, just in time for your ride home from work. If you're working a regular day job, um, go to wherever you get your favorite podcast and just search Winnipeg Sports Talk and hit that subscribe button and get it into your feed daily. Just before we bring in Michael Remus, big thanks to all the sponsors that make this show happen every day. Modern Man Barbershop, great time at their grand opening on Pemina yesterday as well as the Gold Eyes, Assiniboia Downs, Aquatech, Manitoba Battery, Canadian Club, Nick and Nicky DQ, F Apparel, Wallace and Wallace, Vita Health Fresh Market, Consolidated Supply, Princess Auto, Royal Sports, Boston Pizza, Breezy Bend, Aikens Lake, and the great taste of Winnipeg's favorite local brew, Little Brown Jug. We'll get to Cool Bet Lines a little later on. And with the draft lottery happening tonight, uh, we'll have some fun with our why not question of the day for Not Autocorp, Overlet, Waverly, and McGilvery. Let's get Remo in here and get this show on the road. What's going on? How was your weekend? Yeah, pretty good. Got some, uh, you know, went outside Saturday, enjoyed it. There was uh, some rides at uh, one of the at Grand Park Shopping Mall. Yeah, and, I uh, saw that. Took my, took my son there, went on the Ferris wheel. Really fun to go, but when it's time to leave, challenge to get him out of there big challenge so <laughs> so you know going to these places is kind of fun but then at a certain point I'm like okay it's time to go and they don't usually want to go that easy but uh we i did really one thing i really enjoyed was i remember the days in the beginning of playoffs we had three playoff games in a day and you could just sit there yeah. and watch them all day that was awesome yesterday and i don't know if there's any leaf fans in chat oh i see waiters in chat, oh, but uh, rough one, rough one for the Leafs. But uh, I think everyone, you know, there's a lot of Leaf lovers and haters out there, so it was enjoyable for a lot. Well, hey, the Leafs moved the needle one way or the other. There's mm-hmm. no doubt about it. Um, it's pretty stunning that they are where they are right now, considering 
you know, getting over that hump against Tampa. Um, down 3 nothing right now after that loss yesterday. And we'll get to all of that. But, you know, I mean, let's start off on the local side of things. And obviously, a you know, a big jet story is the plight of their American Hockey League affiliate, the Manitoba Moose. And, you know, the Moose had that rough start to their best-of-five series at home against Milwaukee. They bounced back to win in overtime and get the split, and then it was time to get to Milwaukee for games three, four, and five. One game three in overtime, so found themselves just one win away from moving on to the Central Division Final. And, uh, I mean, listen, if you believe in the hockey gods, uh, some the hockey gods have not ever been smiling on the Manitoba Moose. There have been more things that have happened to this team in different incarnations over the years, dating back to my time starting out selling tickets and rink boards and corporate sales there. I, I don't know if I've ever seen what happened to a, a team back-to-back games in the course of the weekend. Um, Friday, the team tied in game four with a delayed penalty waiting to go on to the power play ends up scoring an own goal when a pass goes over Billy Hanel's stick right back into their own net all the way down and then last night after Jansen Harkins was the hero scoring late to tie the game five to go to overtime you have a massive mix-up basically a collision between Dean Stewart and Cole Meyer which took them both out of the play. Milwaukee picks up the puck, goes the distance on an uh, odd man rush, and Spencer Stastny puts it behind Salmanen for the winner in the final 30 seconds of the game. Uh, I mean, there's something to be said about uh, Murphy's Law, uh, and Murphy's Law was in full effect for the Manitoba Moose, who played so hard against a, a team with so much talent coming down from Nashville. Very, very sad way for the season to end for the Moose. Yeah, I mean, you don't see too many own goals uh, in the playoffs on a delayed penalty. I mean, that's uh, that's pretty rough, Huss. So that was, you know, the first, uh, what was that, game four, and then game five to tie it up with two minutes left, and then to give up the go-ahead goal, you know, with 30 seconds left on a play where your two guys run into each other. Uh, that's a tough one. Uh, you don't, you don't want to see that happen, and... Uh, definitely battled. I know Billy Hainala, he was out in game five. He was injured. We were hoping for a long Moose playoff run. Always have good memories of going to Moose playoffs. Um, what, like when he went to the Calder Cup there? Was that 2010? My 2011? 09. 09. 09. I know they had good playoff runs after that too. So uh, that's tough. And we'll hear about it from Dan Fink. I know a lot of guys took some big strides. Uh, this year, and you know, we'll look ahead to see what uh, the Moose are going to look like next season as well. Um, well, so it is. We'll talk about this in the uh, uh, second hour of the program. Fink will come on. We'll talk about some of the players that really stepped up, and Sean. We'll also talk about you know the uh, heartbreak of the. Uh, there were some real ups and downs in, in these playoffs. I mean, in the five game series, the two OT wins. I think Fink is still working on getting his voice back from, and then of course two losses in. Really, really unfortunate fashion that uh, ended up. And I saw Captain Jimmy Ligney speaking afterwards saying, you know, lose this way gets really old. Um, it was the same thing, game five last year against Milwaukee uh, that sent them home. So we will wrap up uh, w- with that later on today on the program. But let's get to the Stanley Cup playoffs right now. Um, obviously, we'll talk some Jets offseason with Jeff Hamilton coming up. And, you know, I think it 
you know, sort of quiet probably for the next week or two. But, you know, very, very soon, I think there will be um, probably a lot more people talking around the league about potential player moves heading into the month of June. And, of course, the uh, the draft. And as we mentioned right off the bat, the draft lottery is tonight. So we'll know where Connor, or, uh, Connor Bedard, Connor McDavid, Connor McDavid, we know where we're going. He'll be in Edmonton tonight playing game three of their series against the Vegas Golden Knights. But Connor Bedard's future will be determined tonight when the lottery balls are pulled in advance of tonight's Vegas and Edmonton game. But um, you mentioned the Leafs, Reem. I mean, we may as well start there. I joked about how Paul Maurice um, is loving every second of this and to be honest, he might want this series to get back to Toronto for Game 5 just so he can bask in the run that he and his team is on and all the attention that comes with the team being in in Toronto. Uh, I'm not sure it gets there, though. Uh, that was a dagger last night by the Florida Panthers. And, you know, I know we talked a lot about pushback and the term pushback here in Winnipeg after what Rick Bonus had to say. Not a lot of pushback from the top players on the Toronto Maple Leafs last night. And um, that's why they are staring elimination in the face when they uh, get back on the ice on Wednesday yeah, night. Yeah, what a goal by Sam Reinhardt in overtime to win it for the Panthers. Or was it just a pretty rough defensive effort there by the Maple Leafs? You watch that play, Huss, and um, I mean, it's crazy that he gets the puck in the neutral zone, like gets goes to the blue line, backs up, skates forward where every Leaf defender is backing away, splits through two guys who are, you know, b- you know, back checking like me on a, you know, shinny skate with, with some buddies, gets behind the net, completely untouched. Brody loses his guy and then does the wraparound. I mean, a great, great awareness for that wraparound goal. But when you watch him just, you know, go through the, you know, just, you know, go with, go through the Leafs defense, uh, like a knife cutting through butter Hus. Um, he just walked through them and they let him and, you know, it's funny. I, you know, they could have used a Rick Bonus post-game speech. The Leafs with no pushback, and you know, their best players way better than our best players. And the topic you're hearing about the Leafs is, oh, they need a change with the core. This core can't get it done. And you look at the goal scores after the you know first three games of the series, they've gotten zero goals from Marner, Tavares, Matthews, and Nylander. And you need your best players to be your best players if you want to win. And the Leafs top guys just haven't been that. In the series, and oh yeah, their goalie, their starting goalie, got hurt too. So it's not going so hot for Toronto. Although people seem to be loving it in chat, right? Well, uh, listen. I mean, there will be some people that are Leaf fans, closet Leaf fans, not so closeted Leaf fans. Um, but again, they're a team that like no one is just sort of meh on the Leafs. Um, yeah, you know, the people that love them, the people that love them, love them a lot, and everyone else. Probably not too big a fan of. Um, although I will say this, I mean, I, I, I mean, I think that even if you can't stand the the team or the fans, I mean, you have to be fans of some of the players on that club. And I, I gotta say, it's just incredibly disappointing, just from an entertainment standpoint, to have this series pretty much over almost before it began. Now, again, the last one's the hardest to win. You know, you know all the uh, all the cliches. Florida has been certainly the better team in this uh, in, in, in this series. Uh, I don't think it's really even close. Um, and a big part of it is the fact that they're not getting much from those top players. And, um, you know, if they go out, say they lose on Wednesday and they end up getting swept, I mean, yes, 
they did finally win a round for the first time in 2004. But I'll say this. I think many of the narratives around the team uh, will be that that doesn't matter if they bow out quickly in the second round to a team that just snuck in the playoffs at the end. But, um, hey, we got to give credit where credit is due. This Florida Panthers team is playing uh, textbook playoff hockey right now. They're getting goaltending. Multiple guys are stepping up on a nightly basis. And, uh, listen, I picked them to win the series. I didn't have them up 3 nothing, looking to send the Leafs to the golf course in the minimum amount of games. Yeah, I had Leafs Oilers Stanley Cup on my on my bracket, and I was feeling pretty good about it after round one. Uh, not so much now. And for the Leafs, and we talk about their core. I mean, it's so funny. I, I people are seeing in chat. I see Running Man. There's so many parallels with the Jets and the Leafs. Although the Jets have got farther in the playoffs the last with this group than the Leafs have uh, getting to the conference final in 2018. But the Leafs. Now, Austin Matthews and William Nylander, they will have, after this season, have one more year on their deal as well. And a lot of questions, well, how does Kyle Dubas shake this up here? Because this team, as it is, it's pretty clear, really good in the regular season. And in the playoffs, their best players can't get it done. Mitch Marner, um, you know, the Selkie nominee, but it hasn't looked like that kind of player here uh, in the playoffs. And he's making, what, $10.9 million a season, so... Uh, it's tough. They seem to do everything. I know they haven't been eliminated yet, and maybe they come back, but um, they've tried to do everything, getting Ryan O'Reilly. I mean, Sam Lafferty had a nice goal yesterday. They what, got to, brought in Giordano and you know shook up the defense as well. But when your top players aren't scoring, Hus, I mean, there's only so much you can do. Well, and, and, and you mentioned Dubas. Like, what will Dubas going yeah. forward? He, will Dubas be the guy? Mm-hmm. And, and listen, I don't think there's any doubt that, you know, they'll try to keep Kyle Dubas. But he, in some ways, has sort of bet on himself. And while this will take a little bit of the, um, I mean, this will definitely dent the, the, the glory and the shine off of him for beating the Tampa Bay Lightning and having his team do that. There are teams in the league that are looking for general managers. There's teams in the league that have been holding off hiring that general manager. And regardless of how this series ends, I think that there is going to be some competition for Kyle Dubas's services. Um, and maybe it is time for him to move on from Toronto. Although I do think that they'll do everything they can to keep him and they should be able to keep him. I mean, it's not like any team is going to have more resources than the Maple Leafs do. Um, but I have a feeling that Dubas's future will be somewhat more up in the air than I think a lot of people thought it was going to be after round one if this goes the way that it's looking like it's going after round one, you were so optimistic. Oh, they're, you know, they get to play Florida, the fans chanting, we want Florida. (laughs) And, (laughs) and I think the Florida fans were chanting, we want Florida after they won um, game three yesterday. So, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen. So with Kyle Dubas, I do know if they did let him go, I think a lot of teams would want to scoop him up. So, uh, that, you know, we talk about the Jets offseason. If the Leafs get swept here, or even if, what, they win, you know, I, I saw Leafs fans, they're so cruel to themselves. Like, what's the most Leafs scenario? Have a dominant game four and then lose 3 nothing at home for a game five <laughs> in front of all their fans? So we'll see, we'll see what happens. It is definitely entertainment. I am seeing people in chat who are enjoying um, this Leafs collapse here in the second round. 
Um, we'll have to wait and see what happens, but I'm, I think there's as much intrigue now about the Leafs offseason if they lose here uh, as there is about the Jets offseason because, again, very similar. You have a group that's been together for a while uh, that hasn't got it done in the playoffs and that has some contract decisions coming up uh, well, after, you know, guys with one year remaining, pretty much. They also have a lot of UFAs from all those trades, too. So that team is going to look a lot different next year. Yeah, and they don't have a lot of draft capital because they oh, yeah. pretty much went all in to uh, try to make things happen this year. And, I mean, I guess they made something happen. They finally went around for the first time since 2004. You can ditch that narrative. Um but if they go out four straight in the second round, I'm not sure that that is going to change much of the narrative around the Toronto Maple Leafs. So Leafs are in tough, down 3 nothing in the worst spot of any of the teams right now in the playoffs. Edmonton Oilers, for their part, Remo, got back on the horse and fired it up again. Leon Dreisaitl, Connor McDavid, that was a show the Oilers put on on Saturday night, completely dominating the Vegas Golden Knights in pretty much every aspect of the game, including when Vegas wanted to uh, mix it up a little bit later on. There was Evander Kane standing up and uh, raining body blows upon Keegan Colasar. And uh, later on, he was asked about it in Evander, in typical Evander uh, um, fashion. The natural is really feeling it right now saying, uh, was asked about it, and he said, yeah, well, if you F around, you're going to find out. And he found out. Um, listen, I know they didn't like the way they played in game number one, and they were sort of the authors of their own demise, a number of turnovers and giveaways that ended up in their own net. Uh, a very different performance by the Oilers on Saturday, and they are looking real good coming back home tonight for a big game three. It's funny, you know, with the Jets out, you thought, okay, yeah, maybe you're not, as interested in the NHL playoffs, but when you have Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl doing uh, what they're doing, I mean, that McDavid goal where he strips the puck from Shea Theodore and just burns him down the ice for a breakaway, I mean, absolutely incredible. Leon Dreisaitl on this historic scoring pace. Um, I think it's must must watch, and you want to see great players do great things, and that's what the Oilers have, and we weren't sure if they would be able to get over the hump in the playoffs, but they're looking very strong, and... Could we see a, I don't know if we're going to see an Edmonton-Seattle conference final crazy, but I think Edmonton is in a really, uh, really strong spot. And that move to trade away Tyson Berry for Matthias Ekholm, I think that was probably the move of the deadline. Is Not only yeah. did you bring in Ekholm, who's been a steady a steady player for them on defense, brings stability uh, where they needed it, but Evan Bouchard has really stepped up. And uh, I think he's outproduced what Tyson Berry would have done on that top power play, and he's taken a step forward too. Paired with Matias Ekholm, so what? I mean, they're they're looking awesome, Edmonton. And, and Bouchard is already has. And this is wild when you consider the playoff history of that franchise. But I believe he's already got a record by a couple games, the most consecutive playoff games with a point for an Oiler defenseman. He's now at eight and running. And for any of you guys that jump on uh, some of the things that we do in the lock shop with Coolbet, I mean, Dusty just keeps on cranking out these Oilers single game parlays. And, I mean, the script is pretty simple if the Oilers win. It's usually over. McDavid's getting a couple points. Dreisaitl's scoring. And then someone like Bouchard is is popping in uh, in one as well. And uh, I think it's three of the last four that have cashed. We had a nice 5-1 to one, uh, one on Saturday. 
which everyone was quite happy about. And um, I know he's got another one cooking in uh, today. We'll hit that at the end of the show, but uh, you can check out the yeah. cool bit exclusives if you, uh, if you want that. Um, I mean, these two guys are running it, but everyone else is really stepping up and they are feeling it right now. Stuart Skinner playing quite well, but I was really disappointed in how Vegas came out. I mean, at one point, I think the shots were 15 to three in the first period. And even by the midpoint of the second, um, we talked a lot about pushback. Vegas had a ton of pushback for the Winnipeg Jets after the way their series started. It was the Oilers with the pushback in game number two, and Vegas had no answers. Yeah. One thing about the Oilers, and I see the comments, uh, I forget who it was, they said, stating the obvious here, but Vegas needs to keep this, this series at five on five because you look oh. at Edmonton's power play, has 56% in eight playoff games. Absolutely obscene number and yeah don't let these guys go on the power play this is a historic power play during the regular season um you know best all-time percentage which is crazy to think about and here they are doing it again in the playoffs and it's funny i'm sorting by power play percentage on nhl.com oilers won at 56 percent number two the winnipeg yes. jets at 41.7 percent it's funny how the power play was the one thing that uh for the jets that you know that did not help them when they needed them most during the regular season, but they were a big part of the playoff run. I don't know. Funny how that worked out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I was, I, we don't, we've talked about the jet season. We spent all week on it, but it was hard for me not to notice that as we, uh, as we talk about the playoffs. Yeah. So Oilers and Knights tonight in a very, very important game. Number three in Edmonton, um, the other two games on the weekend, you mentioned Jersey devils got off the mat. And what an explosion. And figure this one out. There's been all sorts of weird things. Guys scoring four goals on teams that lose. I don't know who was it just mentioned in the chat, but the Canes with three shorties in a game, and they still lost running away as the Jersey Devils put the snowman up. Eight goals past Carolina goaltending. Jack Hughes with two goals and two assists. Dawson Mercer with three Um Listen, I think the Devils were very much capable of better in the first couple games, but you do not expect a Rod Brindamore coach team to uh, get blown out the way that they did in the fashion that Jersey uh, took it to them yesterday, and uh, that series is back on. Yeah, it looks like Carolina was going to run away with it, and the Devils, what they swap goalies, uh, put Vanacek back in yesterday and stopped 26 of 30, and Insert Luke Hughes, who had two assists. It's funny in this game, uh, Carolina, three shorthanded goals. <laughs> you don't see that. Too. There's four total shorthanded goals in the game with uh, Michael McLeod on New Jersey scoring one. I think that was, may have been a record for a, for a playoff game. Four shorties, four shorties. But Jack Hughes, this guy's a superstar player. And you know, four points. Uh, incredible night for him. Andre Palat. Doing his thing, which we talked about last week. Uh, so he was so good in round one. And, he, and, he, I mean, he in a lot of ways was, I mean, the guy that sort of took them over. I mean, keep in mind, they were down two nothing in the first round as well, and in that round, they lost the first two games at home. Mm -hmm. In this situation, at least they're back home. They had a great crowd yesterday in Newark, and I wouldn't be surprised if the Devils can build off that win yesterday and uh, get it to two two and make that one a best of three. Yeah, I still like Carolina. I took them, but that's a tough one. And I think they got a bit of a goalie situation 
as well, uh, Carolina. They've been bouncing between what Ranta and Anderson, Drew and Kochetkov, who was really strong as a rookie during the regular season. So we'll see what they ride with for game four. Uh, that is Carolina. And yeah, the Devils, they got some good points. Timo Meyer did score. You know, he's back from taking that hit from Truba, and he hadn't scored for a while. So nice to see him uh, get on the he, board he to had start nothing. off. He had zeros yeah. in the first round. So, I mean, that's uh, that's the, the first sort of tangible uh, on-paper results of Timo Meyer so far with the club. Now, one other series, and uh, man, the Seattle Kraken, uh, they just continue to keep on doing it and shocking people over and over again. I, I will admit, hand up, I like Dallas in this series. I thought they'd win it in six or less. I did not expect them to lose at home. They did. And then I really did think that this was an opportunity for Dallas to kind of reestablish themselves as the uh, the team to beat in this series. And, you know, the Kraken, they make you earn everything. And there it is, 0-0, I think, well into the second period. And, you know, these breaks. And we talk about, you know, weird things happening in the postseason. But um, Miro Heiskanen takes a puck to the dome, like right to the face. He goes down. Jordan Eberle, Johnny on the spot, grabs it, puts it in. And, I mean, it did two things. It knocked their best defenseman out of the game. It gave Seattle that jump. And uh, very quickly later, like we've seen happen in game number one, bang, 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 the Kraken with some quick goals basically put that one out of reach. I'm shocked uh, that Jake Ottinger would let in you know that many goals. Um, I'm shocked Seattle that keeps doing this. I guess I have to, you know, understand that Seattle's actually a really good team. They got what four solid lines. They don't have superstars, but everyone in their lineup contributes. And you know, they've made some nice pickups like this year, Eli Tolvanen off waivers or grabbing Oliver Bjorkstrand for two picks from Columbus in the summer when you know they need to shed salary. Uh, you've talked former Tampa players, Andre Palabi, keep bringing up Yanni Gord playing a big role for Seattle. So I mean, they have just. Up and down the lineup, a bunch of solid players and solid defense, but not really full of superstar players. So um, credit to Seattle because they proved me wrong. I said they had no chance of beating Colorado, picked a sweep. I I had all the Dallas scores. I'm like, oh, Jason You weren't Robinson's. the only one. You weren't the only yeah, one. Yeah, I had all the Dallas guys on DraftKings last night. I was like, oh, Robertson and Hintz and Heisken, and they're going to score so many goals on Seattle. But watch out. I mean... This trend of, I don't know if I'm here for this trend of expansion teams making it to the conference final. I know it's 2-1 and there's still games to play, but Vegas did it. If Seattle did it in their second season, I think this would be more impressive. I don't know. what it, I think it would be more impressive than Vegas. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Well, I mean, six of one, half a dozen of the other would be incredible either way. Yeah. Um, They're doing it in a, I mean, they are the epitome of team. I think with Carson Soucy's goal, which was his first of the playoffs, the Kraken now have 16 different players that have scored in the postseason. So, I mean, they're getting contributions from everyone. And we talked about the the, the Everly goal, just 210 into the second period, taking advantage of that, you know, unfortunate mishap with Heiskin and getting the puck in the face. Um, at least in the series against Dallas, they smell blood and they keep the foot on the gas. Wenberg scored a minute and a half later on after that. Three minutes later, it was Susie. Two minutes later, it was Berniers. 
and, you know, four goals in just over six minutes and went from a really tight 0-0 game at the end of the first period to sort of a runaway. And, um, again, seven different goal scorers yesterday. Eli Tolvanen, Yanni Gord, and Justin Schultz doing it for the uh, for the Kraken. That being said, uh, this is going to be a battle, much like the Kraken had in game in uh, series number one against the uh, against the Colorado Avalanche. So um, game number four will be a crucial one. Dallas is going to need that one to avoid going down 3-1 and staring at elimination for games five and then six and seven if they're able to get to it. So uh, here's your wrap-up from the National Hockey League playoffs on the weekend. Uh, and, of course, big one tonight with Connor McDavid and the Edmonton Oilers taking on the Vegas Golden Knights. That isn't, though, the big thing happening tonight in the league. That, of course, is the NHL draft lottery. We'll get to that in just a minute. Um, but I do want to thank our friends over at Modern Man Barbershops. Uh, Modern Man now open with eight locations in Winnipeg, including the newest location on either Pembina Highway or Plessy Road. Great turnout. Great to see all the WSTers that popped by Modern Man Pembina yesterday. As you can see, shout out to Cordell, little miracle worker. Some helmet reduction on yours truly yesterday. Um, just, I mean, a great spot for guys to go and get their hair cut. There's eight locations throughout Winnipeg. Go to modernmanbarber.com to find out the closest one near you. Uh, but that new one on Pemina Highway just before Bishop, <clears throat> a great spot. And they'll, uh, in a couple of weeks, have a similar grand opening over at Plessy. Um, follow them on Instagram at Modern Man Barbershops. And if you want to book your look and make an appointment, do it online at modernmanbarber.com with haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and amazing products as well. Uh, Aquatech, ready for summer. Make 2023 the year you take the plunge. You can visit aqua-tech.ca to design your own custom pool. Their team can provide on-the-spot pricing from designers as well as options that suit you. And a whole home renovation start with Aquatech as well with thousands of rentals as their uh, foundation. Let them upgrade any space in your home. And hey, uh, Aquatech is ready for Mother's Day. Folks, give mom the ultimate staycation destination this Mother's Day with over $1,000 off select spas, pools, and home rental projects. Plus, visit them on Instagram and enter to win mom $1,000 towards a she shed. Sounds pretty good. Check out Aquatech online at aqua-tech.ca. Um, the uh, golf cart battery sale is continuing at Manitoba Battery. Donnie and the gang celebrating 10 years as the local go-to guys for all things batteries. And uh, as part of the celebrations, they're blowing out golf cart batteries for everyone that uses their cart to enjoy the beautiful Manitoba courses or for those that uh, rip around from spot to spot visiting spends out at your uh, friends at your summer getaway. Six-volt golf cart batteries are 167 right now. Eight-volt golf cart batteries are 177 and those prices include free delivery anywhere within the city limits. And when you return your cores to Manitoba Battery, you'll get another $17.50 off what's already the lowest price in Manitoba for golf cart batteries. Get them now so you can be ready for May long weekend and summer fun. The sale goes from now until May 6th, 1026 Logan Avenue. And for more information, go to manitobabattery.com. And, uh, 
Well, we're going to be talking to a member of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and looking forward to training camp beginning. I was just doing the lock shop with Dusty. He's going to be in on June 2nd for preseason action at IG Field. And before you know it, we'll be back at it beginning the Blue Bombers season. Of course, Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey, Canadian Club, is also the official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Can't wait to meet you all by the rum hut for one of those this summer. And of course, get into a little CC and ginger, which is also available now in 473 milliliter cans at your local Manitoba liquor marts. Um, Reem, before we uh, welcome in Adam Big Hill, let's just quickly finish up the uh, hockey talk right off the bat with uh, the draft lottery tonight. And, you know, sometimes the lottery is you know let's face it it's not as big a deal as it is so far uh well for this one because this is the Connor Bedard draft and while there is a ton of talent and this is one of the deepest drafts um you know according to scouts we've seen in a long long time when you've got a generational player that has caused multiple teams to bottom out last season uh, there's probably a lot of nervous executives around the National Hockey League right now getting ready for the ping pong balls to drop tonight. Yeah, we haven't had a draft lottery this anticipated. I remember what the uh, what the Line A Matthews one, uh, which the Jets were involved in, so we were paying attention. The McDavid lottery as well. Um, so I think this one is up there with those. And you saw teams openly tank, even if Gary Bettman will tell you otherwise. And it is Anaheim with the best odds, 18.5%. Then Columbus, 13.5%. Chicago, 11.5%. San Jose, 95 Montreal, 85 Arizona, 75 And I'm not sure which team I want him to go to, I don't, I, but I know which teams I definitely do not want him to go to, Hustler. Yeah, My well, rankings... that's a great, just before you do it, this is yeah. a great why not question of the day for not Autocorp over at Waverly and McGilvery. We don't, we don't need to know where you want him to go. Where would you be most angry if Connor Bedard was awarded to of those teams tonight? Let us know who, what is your worst fear of the ping pong balls this evening? What are yours, Reem? Yeah, um, I think Arizona, I don't think they deserve Connor Bedard. I'm sorry to the fans there, but the way this organization is run, I don't want to see that. Montreal. I don't think anybody wants to yeah. see that, by the way. And I know no. I had a friend saying that, you know, a little conspiracy theory that the league wants him. The league does not want Connor Bedard going to Arizona. That would be uh, the only thing that would do was crank up the value of that franchise so much that maybe it's even more attractive to actually move to a legitimate hockey market in an actual NHL rink. Mm -hmm. Um, but, I mean, having him play there closer to the West Coast on a team that has been, frankly, the laughing stock of the league for a number of years would be a terrible, terrible development for um, for the National Hockey League. And I know everyone says Gary Bettman's done everything he can to keep the team there for sure, but you can't waste a generational superstar in that situation right now in that rink. That would be, to me, that's the worst-case scenario for the National Hockey League. Yeah, I agree. I think Montreal would probably be great for the league because there's a lot of interest. But after, you know, the Montreal Jets playoff series and having to deal with all the Montreal fans in the chat after the Mark Shifley hit, they were one of my one of my least least favorite teams. So and they got the first pick last year. They had their turn. Like, sorry, you know, Yuri Slavkovsky, you know, wasn't able to make a huge impact right away. 
but I don't want to see him go to Montreal. And I think people saying Chicago in chat, that's the other one. Just, you know, they look, they had their run, and but they bought him out and get to have another generational player. And also, you know, the whole Kyle Beach situation, people think they should uh, have to, you know, yeah. suffer for that, which I think they don't deserve any good things happening no. to a Chicago. Although I will say this from a league perspective, you know, an original six team in a big market uh, in the central time zone. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, probably would be really, really good. I, I kind of think that the best scenario for the league would probably be going to Philadelphia. Another big market that's got a good hockey history of a team that has done things in the past that's obviously bottoming out a little bit right now. But um, certainly they would love it for the TV schedules in the East, playing in all those big markets. Um, and I think that even though I've got no love for Philly whatsoever, I could live with Philly getting it because um, I think we get to see a lot of Connor Bedard, which would be great just from a fan standpoint. Uh, and I think that is a city where the team means something. They've got a great fan base, even if they've been long suffering and uh, probably would put him into a pretty good, a, a, a great situation for him to be a big time player and a big time star, which is what they want this guy to turn out to be. Um, and they haven't always had that luck, you know, even a player like Connor McDavid going to Edmonton a little bit off the beaten path. Yeah, I'm, I agree with you there with Philly. That was the one I know they have low odds, only 6.5%, but they were my pick historic franchise, you know, haven't been great for a while. They're not absolutely, absolutely terrible. Uh, so like you, you, I don't think you'd count on him to totally be uh, the guy. There, although he probably would eventually become that, but mm -hmm. I, yeah, I would like to see Philly. I agree. You know, nice U.S. media market, Eastern time. You could probably get on some good, good games uh, in terms of national, national TV. So I would agree with you on Philly, but I don't think, I mean, six point five percent odds. Although, like, what? I don't, no one is really that great odds either. Like, what? Columbus is second, and I see some people in chat like SK saying he wants to see him in Columbus. Tortured franchise hasn't yeah, had any I'm with, success I'm with sk on that i would be fine with columbus uh i think they've got you know a, a good core of players with mm -hmm. gaudreau and with uh obviously our our pal patrick line and you know what i do feel for a place like columbus i mean they uh they didn't get the expansion treats that vegas got yeah. <laughs> or that seattle got and you know it has been a long slog for that team in that area and Listen, I think that the the jolt of energy that getting Connor Bedard would be would be awesome. And I know there's a lot of people that think of it as a second-rate franchise. Well, maybe people wouldn't think that if they got a generational player like that. Hey, let's do um let's do three sims and see yeah. what happens. If we are we got Tankathon up for those of you listening on the podcast. Yeah. We've got all the odds done. And the funniest thing is, by the way, with Anaheim getting the best chance, you look at them and they did a great job finishing finishing strong that 13 game losing streak to end the season was exactly what the doctor ordered to get them to 25.5 percent tonight yeah they traded away guys i mean they were bringing up young players they did a great job fired the coach at the end of the year dallas akins you've yeah. seen, seen him on tv a job that, well done dallas enjoy your time on the panel for the yeah. playoffs <laughs> anyways you've had the lottery simulator up for a couple minutes and so people are begging us to hit yeah. the button. We'll do three Sims. Maybe we'll do three more Sims at the end of the show. Sure. For fun. So Sim one. 
Here we go. Oh, Oh, Arizona. We do not want that. Oh, and look at Ottawa. Yeah. Ottawa moves up. Is that 13 spots? 10 spots. Because, yeah, it's protect. It's lottery protected or top. I guess it's top protected in the trade for the chicken trade. Uh, one to five. Oh, <laughs> that's so that actually would also be an Arizona pick unless they get it into the top two. That would be a great result for Ottawa. Anaheim. Uh, in this case, is the uh, third team, and then Columbus and Chicago. All right, sim number two. The Red Wings. Mm -hmm. How many? How many did they move up? They moved up eight spots in this one. Five percent wow. chance. And then Anaheim, Columbus, Chicago, San Jose. Detroit would be another spot where I think that would be great for the league. Yes. Um, you know, Eastern Time Zone, original six team, run by Steve Eiserman. To be honest, I think that would be huge for Bedard, too. I mean, to get into a spot with a guy like that, a generational superstar of his own running the club. Um, I, I think I'd put it this way. I'm down with the results of Sim 2 a lot more than Sim number 1. All right, one more time here. And the Ducks. You'd have to think the Ducks are going to get in there. Oh, and the Habs move up to uh, they move up to the number yeah. I mean, two look, spot. Look, the Ducks have twenty five percent chance. So if we do four Sims, they're going to win win one. So we did three. So uh, I I don't I don't mind him and Anaheim, but yeah, I think the time zone kind of sucks, and their team their team was absolutely terrible last year. So um, uh, yeah, I don't I don't think Anaheim would be a great a great spot, but I think it'd be great for him. You know, being California. Nice weather, maybe not as pressure in Anaheim than Montreal. So we'll be, we'll tune in. Yeah, tonight. I don't want him to be forgotten. And I know, I mean, this is probably unfair because there's a lot of great franchises that are in the Western time zone. The Pacific Division counts. I mean, Connor McDavid is there right now. Um, but you want a, you want a player like this to be able to be on TV a lot to, to, you know, for fans around the league to see him. And if all the games on the West Coast are starting at 10 o'clock or 10.30 in the East and 9.30 here, there's a lot of people that won't see him. Not to mention, I mean, the Ducks are just so bad right now. I mean, how can you put them on any sort of national games? They're probably a year or two away from doing that, even with, you know, a Connor Bedard if they were able to win that. So uh, <clears throat> all of that will be determined tonight. We'll do three more Sims at the end of this evening's show. Um, the Hammers coming up in just a few minutes. Uh, but before we do that, you know what else this week is, folks? The Bombers are back. That's right. Rookies report later on this week, I guess Wednesday. And then on Sunday, Adam Big Hill and the rest of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers back at it for another season. And we've kind of mentioning the theme of unfinished business. Well, it's all going to get started in earnest on Sunday. But this past weekend, Adam Bigel was actually out at his old university at Central Washington being put into the Hall of Fame. Let's catch up with now the Hall of Famer for Central Washington. I think he was going to get into a couple other Hall of Fames as well, if you know what I'm saying. But uh, for a little off-season check-in with Adam Bigel and a look ahead to Bomber training camp, Jeff Hamilton with more on the Bombers and the Jets offseason coming up in uh, just 10 minutes or so. Biggie, what's going on? How are you? That's quite the background you've got there. Yeah, yeah. Just on our way back from uh, Central Washington down in Ellensburg, Washington. Um, got inducted into uh, my college's football hall of fame, which is pretty cool. And uh, yeah, now it's on our way back. We're flying back today and getting ready for camp. 
you know, that must have been, uh, I mean, it's obviously a great honor. I mean, uh, you know, for uh, a spot where you played so much that was the uh, launching pad to an incredible pro career. Uh, what was it like when you first heard that you were going in? And um, tell us about the weekend with the family there. Yeah, I was obviously super excited because there's a rich tradition and history there. And, you know, it's really just been head down, eyes forward, just trying to be the best player I can be. And, you know, I don't really put much effort and time into looking behind and what I've done. But um, this was a rare occurrence where it was nice to be able to kind of look in the rearview mirror and see what uh, I'd accomplished and, and enjoy being recognized. Um, but, uh, yeah, so just being able to share that with my family, bring them down, show them where I played football and and um, where I was on the college. I mean, it was a really cool experience. So, yeah, great. What, um, I, I, just, you know, on that topic, um, you know, and you kind of said, you know, you've been blinders on with, you know, the next step and the next game and the next practice, but coming back there for the weekend and um, getting a great honor like that going into the Hall of Fame, I'm sure there were, you know, plenty of times where you thought back at your time at Central Washington. I mean, what stands out about your college football career and um, how special was it to sort of go down memory lane uh, with the success you had as a pro afterwards? Yeah, no, there's a, there's a lot of great memories. Um playing some of the best teams in D2 and playing some big time games and, and having some big time performances and, you know, really enjoyed our non-conference games. We played against the likes of Eastern Washington, you know, the year they won the national championship and they had Bo Levi Mitchell there. We, we, we lost them by last second field goal. Um, you know, just kind of proved the caliber caliber of our team. Um, I did have a pick six off on that game. Uh, <laughs> played, you know, Montana, University of Montana, played University of Idaho you know, some really good, really good schools and had some really good performances. And, um, you know, but it was great to catch up some of the guys I haven't seen in a long time. And, um, you know, we still stay in touch a bit, but this is a great chance for us to kind of come together and, and reconnect. So it was, that was by far probably one of the highlights. You know, it's funny you mentioned Bo Levi Mitchell. I remember, of course, Matt Nichols. I mean, there is quite a pipeline to the Canadian Football League from the Pacific Northwest, isn't there? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Ryan Phillips and DJ Lee and... Uh, I think, uh, yeah, there's been a ton of guys coming from Eastern. Well, uh, back in Kelowna now and enjoying a little bit of time before it's back to the grind with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and a bit of an unfinished business tour. How's the offseason been for you? Yeah, it's been great. It's been been full. It's been busy. Um, you know, yeah, I'm excited to get back to camp here. The offseason really has flown by. And, um, you know, it's, it's great to see the weather turning and, uh, you know, we're at the point where, um, you know, it's getting hot and, you know, it's football time. So, um, yeah, obviously it was good and training has been really, really good. And yeah, looking forward to getting back at it. We've talked uh, before, I mean, years past about, you know, what you do in the off season. Of course, you know, working in the financial planning business and, you know, very involved in the community. I've got to ask you, Adam, how much does your life change this week when you go from Adam Big Hill off-season version to a leader of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers defense and it's time to get back to work. Yeah, yeah, there's a, there's definitely a considerable change. I mean, um, a lot, all my football stuff in the off-season is really getting been done before and getting completed before 8.30 a.m. And the rest of my day is kind of focused around, um, you know, building my financial business. And, and um, so now... If football starts, I mean, I'm putting you know, financial stuff on the front end and the back end of the of football. Um, 
and really in football, like during the off season, I really focus on building my business, bringing on more clients and, and starting to work with helping more people. And, and during the season, I just don't have the ability to do that. It's more along the lines of managing the business. So um, that's a lot easier to do during the season. And, and, and obviously building the off season is kind of the focus and the key. And, and so it's uh it's still a good balance and still challenging, but uh, it is different. And, um, you know, but I, yeah, I am excited to get back in the locker room with these guys and, you know, it's just been fun seeing some guys trickle in over here the last week and a half, two weeks, and um, you know, it gets the energy and the juices flowing. That's for sure. Uh, Adam, you know, we've had a few of your teammates on throughout the off season, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, inevitably at some point we talked about the Great Cup. I-, I just have to ask you: Have you have you watched the game again? And if so, how long did it take for you to actually fire it up and go back through it? Yeah, yeah, I, I watched the game. Uh, I watched it about two weeks after. Uh, went through it pretty quick and then, um, you know, gone through it again, not too long ago as well. So, you know, definitely some things to learn from, from, from that, from that game, you know, all in all, um, wasn't, uh, you know, it's never as bad as you think. It's never as good as you think. So, I mean, there's always going to be plays everyone wants back. Um, but, uh, at the end of the day, um, you know, some things that we can kind of take forward and learn from as always. Well, and, and I imagine, I mean, um, you know, being so close to a three-peat and, and knowing what a tight game, that's why they play the games. I mean, it's sports. I mean, you don't necessarily always win. But um, hard not to imagine that the way last season ended won't be a uh, an incredible motivator for everybody wearing Winnipeg Blue Bomber jerseys this season right out of camp. Yeah, yeah, uh, you said it. I mean, um you know, we, we've been there. We know what it takes. I mean, obviously, um, fell short last year, and, and, and guys are hungry and hungry. And, you know, last year, not that we didn't want it anymore. It's just we didn't play our best game on the most important day of the year, you know, and we lost by one playing our worst game. And so, um, you know, I got full belief in who we got in the locker room and in our coaching staff. And, um, you know, I'm looking forward to a really, really good year. You know, got, got some – great guys in the great locker room so i mean i think we're going to be uh pretty challenging for people to get them no doubt we got to go out there and put it put the work in and earn it but um i've seen these guys do it time and time again so i should expect nothing else this year from them uh, other than just going out there and earning it so i'm i'm pretty confident in the group we have bomber linebacker adam big hill with us on winnipeg sports talk daily um you know, you mentioned, I mean, how busy you are with your family, with uh, your other gig in the off season. How closely do you pay attention to all the off season moves of your team? And uh, are you in contact with like Kyle Walters and Mike O'Shea quite a bit or uh, just bumping into them? Or uh, is there a major separation from the two gigs when you're not in season? You got a lot of other things on the go. Yeah, there's a, there's a bit of a separation. I mean, they, they want some time alone too, I think, you know, and um <laughs> You know, but uh, as, as you kind of get through the new year and, and you kind of get into January, February, have some conversations, just catch up, see where things are at. And, and then um, generally it's usually chat again kind of as we get towards the draft and kind of see what, you know, what kind of talent there is out there and just have some conversations and, um, you know, just kind of talk about a bit of the vision, you know, where we want to go this year. And, you know, so it's nothing too crazy, but, you know, definitely like to stay in touch with those guys and, and just, you know, to see, you know, where we're at and, and what the focus is and what's going what's going forward. Well, it seems one of the focus has been for Kyle Walters and for obvious reasons is to keep this core together. Um, 
you know, for the most part, the uh, the key figure is coming back. But, man, a couple big additions, including Kenny Lawler on the offensive side of the football. Uh, and then, of course, the Lucha kicker, Sergio Castillo, coming back. <laughs> the uh, all-star of the celebrations of 2021. Um, any thoughts on, uh, you know, guys that have either come back to the team or new additions to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers um, before we get to camp? Well, I mean, Kenny Lawler, I mean, speaks for himself. He's one of the most talented receivers in the game and um, been able to prove it time and time again. And with Zach Claros throwing the ball, that's uh, that's a pretty dangerous combo. Um, our whole receiving core is a dangerous mix of guys. So, you know, I think that's what's going to allow them all to be successful. It's like they're all dangerous on their own. And you can't really isolate one guy that you can take out of the game because Dembski or, you know, uh, Wally or Rashid or Sean. I mean, you know, I could know so whoever's out there, they, they can all make plays. So um, definitely going to be a problem for people. Well, no doubt about that. I mean, listen, getting Kenny Lawler was um, an incredible, incredible stroke by the general manager. But I can tell you from, you know, certainly conversations we had on this program and hearing from fans at the end of last season with the brilliant rookie year, that Dalton Schoen had. I think there was a lot of people that thought that he might not be back. I mean, to have both of those guys, along with the rest of the crew that you mentioned, it's probably on paper the best receiving core we've ever we've ever seen. But from a guy that went up against him in practice and watching him, I'm interested in your perspective on Dalton Schoen. What do you remember about him at this point last year when he came in the first time? And was he surprising everyone on a daily basis? Or did you know that this guy was something special right in the uh, first few workouts? Um, you know, it probably took a probably in the first week of just kind of watching one-on-ones and, and watching some of the reps he was taking and, and seeing how he was hitting the line with his timing of his waggle and how he was running some of his deep balls and, and some of the precision kind of zone find find routes where you're kind of wrapping around the second level and kind of sitting in, in open space and, get, and how he had a feel for that was actually pretty impressive. And I can kind of say like that dude right there from, in Kansas, he can he can play, and um, you know you you never saw coming what the season what he did have just because it's so rare to see a, a rookie be able to have a performance like that. Um, but it, it was it was sure awesome to see, and uh, but no doubt about it, you could see in camp that kid had a lot of potential. You know, um, it goes without saying that I mean this team has been incredibly successful despite the heartbreaker in last year's Grey Cup. Um, expectations are high uh, and you guys set those expectations within your, uh, within your group <laughs> at this point. And I mean, this is maybe along the lines of looking back at, you know, what you did in college, but how different is it right now going into training camp with the expectations that all of you have to be back to the great cup, as opposed to when you first got here to Winnipeg, Adam? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's definitely different, right? Because we've been there and done it and we did it back to back. We've been in three and three in a row and, um, it didn't happen by accident, and you know we, it, it's taken the right, the right guys and the right, the right locker room and the right mix of everybody just to put it together. So um, it is different. You know, there's a lot of confidence there because of the work that we put in and, and the process that we have. So um, it's a good feeling. It doesn't feel like you're trying to create magic or trying to create something that you know you never touched or seen or felt before. Um, so, you know, it really is just about literally getting back to work. And, um, you know, when we work, good things happen. I mean, I promise you that. And uh, so 
got me some of the takes and um i'm just excited to see everyone get get back in that grind mode and um see how hungry everybody is what uh what's coach o'shea like on the first day of camp is it sort of like hey welcome back guys great to see you or is he uh got a whistle in his mouth and kicking everyone's ass to make sure that they're uh, getting right to where he needs them to be oh it's obviously a little bit of both i mean you know you never see him smile so much as when he has a locker uh, you know a, a meeting room full of guys like he'll tell you that um you know and then you'll never see him smile even more as when he sees all those guys working hard on the field um you know so expectations and are set early first day for sure in terms of you know where the bar is and what what is required and um you know but from there it's uh, us as veterans it's our job to make sure that uh we continue to you know show that lead that by example and make sure it permeates through everybody in that locker room that's come in rookie rookie and all well adam it's back to work on the weekend uh let me ask you this i know we talked about this weekend uh you know just passed uh, with going into your college hall of fame but uh what was the off-season highlight for you or team big hill overall and um what's the uh, what are the last few days before it's back to the grind like uh around uh, around your spot yeah, good question. The highlight was probably definitely going to Disney World with the fam. So we took, uh, it was a plan that we had after we won the first great cup. I wanted to take them to Disney World and obviously COVID happened. And that was a long process before traveling really became actually something feasible. Um, so that was our off season. It was much overdue was uh, we took them down to Disney World for, for six days. It was a, awesome. It was <laughs> It was as expensive as everyone promised me it would be, but uh, as much fun as everyone promised it would be as well. So that was definitely a highlight. And, you know, the next few days I'm still getting uh, getting training in and, and, you know, dialing in everything I want for first day of camp. And, um, you know, at, the, at that time, too, I'll be seeing a lot of the guys around, which would be great, too, just reconnecting. Well, I can tell you that the uh, Bomber fans and the folks in the WST chat cannot wait to see the fellas back out there at IG Field and uh, get ready for uh, somewhat of an unfinished business tour through the Canadian Football League that uh, hopefully ends back up in the big game. Adam, congratulations on it. The great honor from the weekend. Thanks for doing this. Enjoy the last couple days, and we'll look forward to seeing you down at IG Field very soon as the, the Bombers get back to work for the new season. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. Good stuff with Adam Big Hill. Rookies. Two days from now into camp, and then uh, it all gets going on the weekend. And uh, interesting signing today by the Bombers as well, which we'll get to with Jeff Hamilton right away. Michael O'Shea Jr. That's right. Son of the coach. I'll talk to him about that and um, little Bombers. Upcoming season, of course, Jets offseason with Hammer. Come up right away. Just before we bring Jeff in, um, you all know if you're looking for great prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries, and Winnipeg's largest selection of local products, get on down to one of seven Vita Health Fresh Market stores. The warm weather is finally here, and you know what that means. It's barbecue season. Vita Health has your stock for delicious Vita Market grass-fed bison and beef steaks. And the perfect thing to help you digest that red meat is Health First Primezyme Digestive Enzymes. Symptoms like heartburn, gas, bloating, and abdominal pain after meals may be signs you're not digesting food well. Health First Primezyme can supplement enzyme levels to help break down proteins, carbohydrates, fats, and lactose, and reduce digestive, digestive discomfort. That way you can enjoy 
that delicious food you are cooking. Uh, Vita Health, empowering people to lead healthy lives. And if you can't make it down to one of the seven Vita Health stores, visit their website at myvita.ca to buy online with local delivery options. Once again, thanks to Josh Morrissey, who joined us on Friday, wrapping up our Wallace & Wallace Unsung Hero program for the season. <clears throat> It was great to have Josh on. Check the YouTube channel if you missed the interview. Um, but a huge thanks to Wallace and Wallace as well. And of course, all the unsung heroes and everyone that nominated one this season. Um, Wallace and Wallace is back to work, though, now that Springs here as Winnipeg's fencing and overhead door specialist. If you need the security and protection of a new fence or if Winter's done a number on your old one, they've got you covered. And if it's time to replace your garage door, They've also got Winnipeg's largest selection of overhead garage doors. 452-2700 is the number. The Wallace team will arrange a time to come out and give you a free estimate. You can also visit them online at wallacefences.com or pop down to their showroom on Lawson Road off of Keniston. Fellas, how's the closet looking? If you need to up your menswear game heading into spring and summer, you need to get on down to F Apparel. Custom suits beginning at $400, along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, and an incredible selection of menswear accessories. 15% discount for wedding parties when you get your suits at F. And, of course, they've got the free custom shirt and tie offer for every 2023 high school grad with the purchase of a new suit. They're at 190 Smith Street downtown. Pop by and see them in person or make an appointment and find out more online at F, that's EPHapparel.com. I'll tell you what, it is great to have spring back. It is great to have the new summer blizzard flavors in at the Nick and Nicky DQ. Jumped on one of those this weekend and uh, I have a feeling that's going to be a, a regular occurrence for many of our WST listeners. Pop down and see Nick and Nikki at any of their four locations. DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, DQ St. Anne's, and DQ Niverville. Grab some ice cream treats for the freezer and uh, don't sleep on those stack burgers as well. Hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba if you do need a custom blizzard or ice cream cake for an upcoming event. All right. Uh, perfect time to have Hammer on. we got Bomber Training Camp coming up and still wrapping up Jets offseason and looking ahead to the next couple of uh, couple months heading into the draft. Jeff Hamilton of the Winnipeg Free Press joins us now. Hammer, what's good? How was your weekend? Us, not too bad. I've uh, I've had since Thursday off, so that's pretty decent. Um, my first car cast here. Um, it's a bit rainy here, but I'm I'm looking forward to the rain. It's uh, as, as I was telling someone earlier today. I feel like the uh, I feel like the cleanup crew for the city for spring cleanup is is brought to you by Mother Nature. So if she can continue to get this rain down here, maybe we'll see some greeny greenage and some cleaner streets. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, I, I'm more than happy with a 13, a gloomy 13 degree Monday because, and here's a quick WST weather report, folks, 20 tomorrow and then sunny and 25 on Wednesday, perfect time to get Bomber Rookie Camp going, 27 Thursday, 26 Friday, 25, 27 on the weekend, we are getting into some uh, primetime spring weather right now. And I think we can all need it. You know what? Let's start with the Bombers because we just had Adam Big Hill on. And mm. I know you've got that uh, great CFL rundown piece in the uh, in the Winnipeg Free Press that people can check out as we go into the season. Um, rookies this week, I mean, it, it kind of caught me off guard that this is all starting to happen right now. And Adam Big Hill just told us a number of players have been trickling into the city, getting ready for it. Um, but in the last week, 
There's been the draft. And then today, Michael O'Shea Jr. signing with the with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Um, let's talk a little bit about the personnel side of things for the Blue and Gold as to what's come out of the draft, as well as a very interesting and noteworthy name signed to the club today with obvious ties. Yeah, where to start? Uh, first off, yeah, I'm with you. Like, where did the time go? I mean, um, the fact that we're starting training camp here and ultimately the the Bombers, you know, beginning for their bid for three championships in four years and try to cement themselves as a dynasty. It's going to be a fun year, but yeah, beginning with, with rookie camp on Wednesday. Um, you know what? I, it's always great to see, you know, I find the CFL draft to be such a fun knee exercise in the sense that it's like, you know, you talk, you talk to the players, you treat them as if, you know, it's like draft in any other league as if they're going to have some kind of immediate impact. But um, in this, you know, in this case, I thought the, the bombers, I mean, all things considered, sign a guy in Anthony Bennett, a defensive end that a bit undersized, but a bit of an interesting story. You know, he, he's out in Florida and, you know, was pretty much finished football, essentially, or at least was contemplating whether he could, you know, play over COVID and his options looked looked pretty slim. But I guess his, his father, it's, you know, also a professional athlete, played, you know, played a brief time in, in the CFL, played a year with the Riders. I don't even know if he got into a game. I think he... I think he spent most of the time on the uh, on the on the practice roster, game. and then I think it was yeah, one, one game, game and then him. and then I think he moved to the Miami the next day or or the next year, sorry, Florida, and I think he got in three games with the Dolphins, and then his con- contract was over. But anyways, or his career was over. But but while he was in Regina, you know, as many do, found love and found love in the city, and and found his wife, and they had a son, and so they always had you know always had roots. Anthony always had roots in Regina. So when he was looking for a new football home, heck, let's go call grandma and grandpa, see what the situation is down there in Regina. And I can only imagine the phone call that he would have got for the Raz being like, hey, so I'm this, you know, this player out in the States and I got a, you know, grandparents out in, in, in Ryderville. Like what's, what's the, what's the odds of you having a spot for me at, you know, to play college ball. And I, I'm sure they couldn't buy his plane ticket quick 100%, enough. 100% but... I believe was that percentage chance that there would have been a spot. For him. Yeah, exactly. So experienced player, like he's 26 years old. Well, that's the other part, right? So maybe he isn't, you know, he, again, he's a bit undersized, but that's an area of the Jets, of the Jets roster that, you know, the D line, particularly defensive end that took a bit of a hit this, this past season. I know that sounds crazy when you have, you know, Willie Jefferson and Jackson Jeffcoat highlighting those two ends. But, you know, as we know, Jackson Jeffcoat missed a third of the season with injuries and Willie, and that led to more, more, more uh, attention on, on guy like Willie Jefferson. So he, you know, he still led the team in sacks with seven, but the, the bombers only finished with, I think 36 in the year, which is, which is pretty low. Um, so to have, you know, a guy like, you know, again, maybe that's putting too much, you know, too much pressure on, on Bennett to come in and, and be that depth. But that depth was, was hit with, you know, Theodric Hansen when he got injured and, and then Jonathan Kongbo went to the NFL. So he wasn't on the team last year. So some of that depth in behind them uh, took a bit of a hit. So we'll see what happens, but there's other players. I mean, there's, you know, there's some guys on the defensive line that are going to come in. I mean, I wouldn't have, I mean, it's, it's one of those things I wouldn't have a ton of high hopes over immediate impact. I mean, we're looking at probably, you know, the Bombers finding someone on special teams and, and, you know, being a key figure in that. And Bennett's also a guy who's not shy to do, to do special teams. It seems like he relishes it. So that might give him an even better opportunity to make an impact as, as early as this season. But, you know, I think, I think when you look at the, the Bombers roster, you know, we, we, 
I mean, anyone who's paid attention over the off season, it's, it's obvious that not only have they been able to keep a lot of their talent, uh, they've added, you know, in, you know, key bodies, including, I even add Rashid Bailey as an add on because he wasn't signed till, you know, after free agency. And when they signed Kenny Lawler, obviously their big, you know, off season, off season signing, it didn't look like there was any room for, for Rashid Bailey. So, uh, you know, the team's looking good. And then how can you, how can you really, how can you really bet against the, the Bombers scouting staff? I mean, that's what I think is one of the more intriguing parts about the, about training camp and, you know, whether it starts with rookie camp or when official camp opens on Sunday is seeing some of the talent that they've unearthed down South. They've had a pretty, they've had a pretty darn good record of finding key players and key positions. So as much as you have a lot of veterans filling up spots on this roster, I'm intrigued to see some of the younger guys, whether it be as, you know, as, as inexperienced as the recent draft picks or guys that they found in, in U.S. camps to, to compete for a spot with the blue and gold. Well, um, let's talk about the Adam Mike O'Shea Jr. And, and this oh, was right. interesting yeah. because um, O'Shea himself said that, I believe the quote was, it wouldn't be fair if we drafted him, but I guess they feel that, you know, as an undrafted player, he's uh, they know that he's probably worth an opportunity. But it is a, a, a unique situation, I would say, as uh, you know, going into a team that has been so good. Um, but with your dad as the head coach. Yeah, is this the first time in Winnipeg where a player on the a professional team has had a dad as a head coach? I don't uh, think so. Geez, I think the Jets had that one before. Head, yeah. Scratch my yeah. head for a while. I think that, that, was, that wasn't long ago. Um, you know what, though? Like, and this is nothing against. You know, Michael O'Shea Jr., uh, you know, he's a, from what I understand, he's a, obviously a talented receiver, has played well in the Canadian Junior League. He's got a nastiness to him that I think is certainly probably comes from his dad and, and, is, and is appreciated by, by coaches and whatnot. But if you're asking me this whole situation, I mean, he's just a, a body in camp. Like, I, you know, this is, you often see in, you know, and nothing against the, the rifles um, because they have had some guys stick around beyond practice roster or whatever, but it's one of those things where you need bodies in camp because guys go down, guys get injured, guys get days off and, you know, you need, and you have a bunch of quarterbacks throwing balls. And so I, I see this, especially when you, when you couple it with, with Mike's comments before about how, you know, I don't, I don't know the exact words, but I mean, he was clearly thought it'd be a weird situation for, you know, for them to be, for them one to draft them and then have to be, a, you know, if you do that, then you're in a position where you have to kind of, you have to, you have to cut them essentially. And so, you know, I think it's certainly a headliner. It's going to grab a lot of attention just for who he is. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not ruling out anybody. So anyone can surprise and shock and whatever, but, but I, I see this, move more as simply filling a camp roster spot and uh have making sure you have the bodies to uh to fulfill everything that you want to do yeah i'll say this um the bomber receiving group probably a pretty tough group to crack <laughs> yeah, this even, and, even as a canadian right yeah and, and i mean who knows maybe there's a practice roster spot um that being said i mean obviously he's played a lot of football he certainly has some good bloodlines and and I would imagine he's got a lot of the mental makeup of exactly the sort of player that the Winnipeg Football Club wants. So, hey, give him an opportunity to come out, see what he can do. It is a little bit different, but hey, looking forward to it. And uh, certainly if there's a guy that's earned the opportunity to maybe have a decision like that, I would say it's Mike O'Shea. And of course, they didn't draft him. The huge news last year, though, last week in Bomberland, Jeff, just before we get to the Jets, 
was Sergio Castillo. And we had finished the show. I saw your tweet like one minute after it went up. And I immediately went into my photos to grab the picture of a luchador mask wearing Sergio Castillo partying at the 2021 Grey Cup celebration. Fired that one out. Um, If you read the Winnipeg Sports Talk chat throughout this offseason, whenever we've been talking bombers, the one question that kept on coming up was involving special teams and the kicking situation. And, um, you know, we've seen the Bombers add other players, drafting a bunch of punters. But this is clearly far and away the biggest challenge, if you want, or almost, um, you know, moving Mark Leggio into the past tense right now. How did this all come together so quickly? Why was he cut from the Edmonton Elks? And... um Give us, I mean, I guess a pre-training camp look at the special teams positions involving kicking and punting and how you see that shaking out after the signing. I'll start at the end first. I, you know, I think when you looked at the roster as, as effective as the, you know, as good as the Blue Bombers have been and, and you know, with a lot of the same talent coming back, expected to be favorites again, I would argue, uh, heading into this season. Um, but the one area, if you could point to it at all, and as you mentioned, you know, whether it was comment sections on your show or other shows or, you know, notes I would get on, on social media or, 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 you know, my inbox and whatever, it was always like amazing. You know, they were able to keep this guy amazing. They were able to sign this guy amazing. They had room and money and time for this guy. <laughs> what about the kicking situation? And it was the one area that if you wanted to, if you wanted to give Winnipeg a perceived weakness uh, was kicking. Right. I mean, um, so to, to shore that position up and, and to bring back a guy who, as you mentioned, you know, partied hard uh, after the, after the 2021 victory, but was an absolute, you know, um, major factor in the game going five for five and field goals, you know, he ultimately won them that game and, uh, and certainly, you know, certainly gave them a chance to win. And and then again, they ultimately won it for them. But um, so to shore up that area of your roster just makes the bombers, you know, a great team look even better. Um, You know, you mentioned how you kind of touched on, on things about how quickly things came to be. This wasn't quick at all. The bombers were on this path for a while. Um, you know, they've somehow, I guess the, the Elks are a, a, a good dancing partner with them as far as trades go, but because, you know, or at least talks go because I mean, this was, they were talking to, to the Elks for months trying to get, or maybe not months, but weeks for sure to get Kenny Lawler on the roster last year. Right. And so um, you wonder how much effort, I don't know if they did make much effort last year, but to get Sergio Castillo, but they certainly tried this off season and I, you know, why, why the why the Elks would you know I think the ask was high or too too expensive for what the Bombers wanted and why they wanted to get you know why they wanted to change their kicker or, or get rid of Sergio Castillo a guy who I'll tell you is well respected there and love the city like you know he 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 absolutely embraced you know Elks the Elks community and and uh, and the city of Edmonton so you know and was a popular player on the team um, so why they want to get rid of him I'm not sure I mean to me it, it seems like a cost 
cutting measure. I think he was getting paid uh, 130, 100, upwards of 130, 140, 150 grand. I know he got his 30k bonus from the Alex this offseason, so that that makes you that makes you ponder it even more. Um, but yeah, so ultimately, you know, the Bombers were 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 interested uh, in bringing Sergio back to Winnipeg. Felt like he would be, you know, again shore up those those issues in the kicking game. And and as as the talks continued, the price remained too high and never really dropped. And from what I understand, you know, the Elks just kept picking up kickers, like they kept signing kickers. And so so the Bombers, I think, were just looking at the transaction wire and were just like, okay, well, you're interested in tra- trading Castillo. Uh, you're now you're now at the very least you're interested. Um, and now you're, now you're picking up kickers to replace them essentially. Like I think it was only a matter of time before he was released. And, and as we saw, uh, it didn't take long for the bombers to pounce. So you, you mentioned my tweet. Um, if you're referring to that one, I'd made that comment about how the, you know, there were trade talks as early as weeks ago. Clearly those broke down. Why the bombers wouldn't go after him now as a free agent um, is, is, you know, would be crazy. And sure enough, it was less than 24 hours. It was less than two hours later after his release that he, that Sergio Castillo was named a, a Winnipeg blue bomber for the 2023 season. So is it Castillo and one of the punters that they've signed? Like, where does this lead Legio? You know what? It's a good question. Um, as you'll know, like, I mean, they, uh, Castillo, I think, is capable of doing all duties, but I don't think that is what you want from him. If you look at his season last year, like he wasn't that great. Um, so I don't think you want to overburden him um, in his field goal. Per, you know, and, and his primary focus, I think, for the Bombers is a field goal you know, specials, obviously a place kicker. Right? You can probably do, you know, probably does kickoffs, stuff like that. But I think, I don't know if you want to rely on him on punting. Now, would the Bombers want to rely on one guy to do all duties effectively? Yeah, absolutely. I'm just not 100% sure that a guy like Sergio Castillo can do all three. I mean, if you look at his season last year, like I mentioned, you know, um, you know, his kicking percentage wasn't crazy. It was in the 80s. Um, not bad, obviously. And, and certainly, you know, you have to go kind of look at those kicks individually to find out how difficult the season was, but he only punted eight times. So while, you know, he was leaned on in some cases to punt, uh, he obviously wasn't the full-time guy. And, you know, I, punting's a, punting's an incredibly difficult skill. So if you're asking me, and since you are asking me, I, I think you probably look at Sergio Castillo as your place kicker. Uh, and then you start looking for punting, whether that's Mark Leggio or somebody else they picked up, including guys in the global draft. Um, I'm certainly there's some intrigue there, but, uh, you know, I think I'd expect all those names at camp and, uh, you know, Sergio Castillo, I don't even think it's a battle at this point, uh, would become the place kicker. And I, I think that they would look for a punter to be more specialized duty and be, be an effective player. We know how important special teams is in the CFL. We know how mm-hmm. important special teams is to Mike O'Shea. So I don't think, uh, I don't think they're going to necessarily rely on, on him, on Sergio Castillo to do all three duties. Yeah. I'm down with an Aussie punter that uh, can go out and tackle like it's an AFL game after they boot the ball as well and uh, leave it to the luchador to be putting it through the uprights when we get going. Jeff Hamilton from the Winnipeg Free Press is with us. Jeff, it's been a week since uh, we came out of the the final weekend of the Jets season with all the uh, interesting quotes and uh, back and forth, a little bit of drama around. Um, now that things have settled down a little bit, the players have gone their separate ways. Um, what do you think is uh, happening right now 
with a uh, a very long list of to do things for uh, Kevin Sheveldayoff right now. Is um, you know we are just like six seven weeks away from the draft. Obviously, we'll find out what happens tonight in the draft lottery. Yeah, it's a good question. You know, and I don't know exactly what's happening, but you have to imagine Kevin Sheveldayoff is is sitting down with the four guys, you know, ultimately maybe the three guys in particular minus Wheeler. So, you know, you think it starts with Connor Hellebuck finding out exactly where his head's at, you know, what's what, what it might take for him to stick around, whether that's, you know, term, whether that's dollar, you know, dollars, obviously he's due for a significant raise. We're looking at probably double digits for a guy like Connor Hellebuck, or at least that's what he'll, probably get on the market. Um, so you're going to want to get an answer from him and you're going to want to get an answer from Mark Shifley and, and, and Pierre-Luc Dubois. Like, look, Huss, I would not be surprised if Kevin Sheveldayoff was already talking with teams about potential trades, whether that's other teams calling him or him. You know, I don't know if he would necessarily go on the offensive at this point in time, but you have to think you put it out there with the group that, you know, I think everybody outside of Winnipeg knows exactly what's going on in Winnipeg, knows the contract status. As we talked about this last week, about how how weak essentially the you know the the unrestricted free agency class is this year. Like the you know, if the Jets have some expiring contracts, and it seems like none of them, you know, none of them will be back next year if they can't get an extension done. So you think the teams are calling. So I wouldn't be surprised if, if talks were, weren't already starting on the, on that front, uh, whether it be over Pierre-Luc Dubois and Montreal potentially. And, you know, we all know how they, those, those two, you know, those two players have been linked or team and player have been linked. Um, and then obviously Connor Hellebuck. I mean, I think there's a lot of teams out there, even the teams that got eliminated from the playoffs this year, look at their goaltending situation and think they're a goalie away from being a special team. So why wouldn't you want to get in the ear of, of the GM as soon as possible of the Jets? So whether it's, again, whether it's Kevin Sheveldoff making those calls or whether he's retrieving those calls, those conversations, if they haven't started already, need to start soon. And it starts with the players and gain a better idea. And then figuring out what, you know, figuring out after that, what, what exactly your options are and, and what, what, avenues you want to take do you want to stock up a bunch of draft picks for this draft do you want to bring in some you know this team doesn't look like they're in a situation to rebuild at least that's what we're let uh you know left to believe and if you look at some of the contracts obviously with josh morrissey and kyle connor uh nikolai ehlers to name a few uh that are you know are all back for years like you know maybe you maybe you try to find another team who's going through probably quieter but perhaps similar issues with some of their players. And you try to do what essentially happened with, with, uh, you know, Pierre-Luc Dubois and Patrick Liney. So, I mean, I have no idea which way it's going to turn, but you don't have a lot of time. As you mentioned, the draft's coming up here in a matter of weeks. You need to get some, you need to get some clarity on players and you need to get it done before the, before the, uh, before the, the, the draft. And that's where they're at right now. Yeah, you know, just on that, the one thing, and I mean, I, I totally understand the the concept that, you know, we got a problem, you got a problem, let's kind of, you know, swap those. And that certainly is, I think, the way most people look at the Winnipeg-Columbus trade that involved Dubois, Roslovic, and Line. The thing about the Jets is that they can't, they can't swap deck chairs here if you're trading away. Let's just talk about the centers because, I mean, I think that's obviously the focus in addition to Hellebuck and bring back players in the same contractual situation. Like for the Jets to trade Shifley or trade Dubois for a guy that they've only got for this year, 
I'm not sure really gets them anywhere. I mean, I think I am of the opinion <clears throat> that they need younger players, <clears throat> players that potentially have just signed a contract out of their ELC or maybe even ELC guys that just haven't had the chance to, you know, play as much as, you know, they certainly projected to be after where they've picked. Um, so, I, I, and that's just part of the nature of being in Winnipeg. I mean, when you move on from these players, much like they did with an Andrew Kopp or a Jacob Truba, you're getting players that you've got some contractual certainty of. And, you know, a lot of teams don't have to operate that way. The Winnipeg Jets sort of do. So that's sort of way I, 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 I see that going. But as it pertains to those two centers, um, who knows what the conversations with Dubois and his agent have been like, but I would imagine it. Listen, if we believe everything that we've heard from insiders for the last number of years, let's just assume that they're like, ah, yeah, we're playing this year out and we're going to go to free agency. Pretty clear what they have to do in that case. Shifley right. is a little bit different, but I do wonder, do you think that they'll actually legitimately engage Shifley's representatives on trying to extend him here in Winnipeg? You know, again, like, I don't know if I'm, you know, if, if I don't, I, I, I don't I think so. Think. I mean, opinion, I don't think so either. I just, you know, <laughs> I, I don't think so because look, Mark Shifley, you know, we all, it's not really a secret, right? Like, you know, he's not exactly been a team first guy. Um, you know, he's, he's done a lot for this organization. He certainly has a legacy as the first ever draft pick of this team. He's done a lot of good for this club. But we also know that he's not happy with how much he got paid in his last contract. And so if you're looking for a raise, or maybe even more importantly, if you're looking for something that is in and around what you're getting already, you're probably a lot more digestible to get it somewhere else and have that change of scenery um, that I'm sure he could benefit from and I'd argue the Winnipeg Jets would benefit from. Um I don't think he's going to get what he's getting now. You don't score 42 goals in a season and get paid $6 million a year. He's going to get, you know, he's going to get a pay increase, but I think, you know, whether it's, it's less term than he expected or less money than maybe he imagined a few years ago, like it, you know, it was only a couple of years ago, we were talking about Mark Shifley making double digits, right? So all those things, I, I just, I just don't see, all those things as factors, I don't see a uh, you know a, an extended marriage with the Winnipeg Jets as the as the likely situation here. And so the other thing too is, as you mentioned, like of course you're not if you're the Winnipeg Jets, you're not you're not going to be trading, even if you're getting high caliber guys, you're not going to be trading for those guys if they have the same contract status as as the players you're dealing yeah. with. However, the one exception is is if you allow teams to talk if the the teams if the jets allow the teams to talk to players right see what their interest is in signing an extension and vice versa then you then things start getting interesting right the value starts getting better um and so in that case i mean if the winnipeg jets can find somebody who you know has got one year left on his deal but really likes what's going on in winnipeg and wants to stay here and wants to commit then the idea of an extension isn't out the window and then that, then that kind of negates that issue but yeah I, I the thing is is i i think what's challenging for the jets and obviously for kevin shovelday off is he's not really steering the ship anymore in this in this situation right like the players are going to tell them what what they want whether they want to stick around and be back and he's going to have to play the cards cards he's dealt and whether that you know whether that and I mean he's going to have to make the best decision you know on behalf of the Jets and not just you know not just the best decision as far as like um 
you know, for skill and whatever, but strategy and future and all these other things that come into play when you, when you start, you know, remodeling your team. But um, at this point, I mean, it's hard not to look at any of those players and not see them all as potential, potential trade bait. And, you know, we talked about this, what, two years ago it was the summer of Chevy. This is undoubtedly the summer of, of Kevin Chevrolet off. And so, I mean, this is where he's going to earn his keep. And we've seen, we've certainly seen some great trades in the past, uh, you know, right when you don't think he's got anything that he can possibly get or, or whatever, it comes out of nowhere. And, and maybe that's the case this year, but it's certainly with just how, how obvious this summer is and how, how, you know, certain it is that there's a handful of players here that are going to need either recommit, either be recommitted to or essentially traded off. I mean, this, there's no hiding from it. It's, it's coming and we'll have, just have to wait and see what, what plays out. Yeah. You know what? It, it, it's an interesting point. And, and I'll say this, um, you know, the potential of an extension for these players leaving Winnipeg, I think is significant. I mean, I'm not sure they're going to find a lot of players that are going to, give up free agency a year from now, sight unseen before coming here to Winnipeg. But I do think a player like Mark Scheifele, for instance, that just scored 42 goals, a career high, and before that had six straight point-per-game seasons, I think that that his agent probably would look at this situation and realize that this is a perfect time to get an extension done. So if he is being traded, you work with, a group of teams that there would be an interest in re-signing with and then utilize that to maybe get a better return for Winnipeg for a player that will be there for uh, for the long term. I will say this, Hammer, that we'll, um, we're just scratching the surface of these conversations right now. And again, the Winnipeg Jets are, I mean, as tightly lipped of a team as there is in, well, maybe in pro sports, to be perfectly honest. So... I mean, this could come out of the blue. Um, It could come from some insiders getting some info from other teams as to what they're doing. But no doubt about it, this uh, that phone is going to be busy. And uh, it'll be just interesting to see when the first domino drops, because I think a few of these dominoes are going to drop before the draft gets going at the end of June in Nashville. And uh, I know you and the gang at the Freep will be all over it. Uh, Enjoy a couple days before uh, it's back to the grind on the bomber beat. Yeah, hey, appreciate it. I'm looking forward to football season, as I'm sure lots of fans are too. Um, I would say one other thing, just on the trade aspect, I wouldn't be surprised if you'll see multiple teams involved in trades, much like we saw over the trade deadline, um, just with the way a lot of teams are up against the cap, um, those kind of things. I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Jets get involved in multi-team trades if it if it goes down that angle. But uh, yeah, certainly looking forward to football season. Looking forward to uh, summer, really. Um, and yeah, appreciate you having me on. Have a great one, dude. We'll catch up very soon. There's Jeff Hamilton from the Winnipeg Free Press. We've still got a little more hockey to talk about. Heartbreaking end to the year for the Manitoba Moose. Dan Fink's going to join us in just a second. Uh, but a great bomber conversation with Hammer. And of course, we are counting down the days till we're back out at the Princess Auto tailgate zone before all Winnipeg Blue Bomber games at IG Field. Princess Auto, proud sponsors of the Bombers and the Winnipeg Gold Eyes and the place where you'll find the best deal on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto's Auto. Visit them in one of two Winnipeg locations or shop online 24-7 365 at princessauto.com. Consolidated supplier, the leaders in irrigation systems. 
artificial turf, and golf carts and are the exclusive club car dealer in Manitoba. If you need a new or used golf cart, they've certainly got you covered. If you're getting ready to do some work on the property where you need to make it a little greener, irrigation-wise, or artificial turf, they've got you covered as well. They've also got other great options for your property, including hot tubs and amazing outdoor kitchen options, and, of course, small engine parts and repair. Pop by and see them at Consolidated Supply. The showroom is open to the public at 1395 Niagara Road East, or you can find out more online at cte.ca. Uh, Royal Sports is Manitoba's number one sports superstore with the biggest and best selection of licensed team gear, featuring the Jets, Bombers, NHL, NFL, and tons of new Major League Baseball gear in for the start of the season. And spring stock is arriving daily with soccer, baseball, softball, tennis equipment, and a huge selection of bikes. Pop down and see them for yourself 750 Pemina Highway is where you'll find Royal Sports and follow them on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops and sale information. Well, big game tonight, Oilers and Golden Knights. Uh, if you're looking for a great spot to watch the game and gather with friends, no better place to do it than your local Boston Pizza Sports Bar and Lounge. Uh, you've got the uh, ice cold schooners, the beer garita, which is part of their new Fanalytics approved menu, world famous BP wings, gourmet pizzas, and that new triple play platter with the cheesy bandera bread, cactus cuts, and the Thai chicken bites. All there waiting for you tonight with the big game on the big screen. And uh, hey, if you are staying in, you can always order online at bostonpizza.com. And of course, a big shout out to our friends at the Winnipeg Gold Eyes Fish. On the road right now, getting ready for their opener in Gary, where former manager Greg Taggart will take on uh, his team that he was with for so many years. We're counting down to May 19th, with it, which is Gold Eye's home opener. Circle that one on the calendar, folks. Tickets are on sale now. You could also talk to them about, as we talked with Andrew Collier last week, season tickets, mini packs, group tickets and events and all the great stuff at the ballpark. And, man, I tell you, with this weather that we've got this week, <clears throat> almost too bad they are starting on the road. But that is a uh, – it normally makes sense for the Gold Eyes to start on the road. And uh, we'll uh, give it a couple weeks and hopefully have some more great weather like we've got this week to welcome the team back on the 19th of May. All right. Well, with one season beginning with the Bombers and the Gold Eyes, one season ended on the weekend. And, man, it happened in heartbreaking fashion. But no quit in the Manitoba Moose. Let's welcome in the play-by-play -play voice of the Moose, Dan Fink, who I imagine is, uh, has cooled the vocal cords for the last little bit because, man, there was a lot of excitement in that five-game series. Uh, Fink, what's going on, man? Great to have you on the program. And, uh, you know, an unfortunate way to end, but congratulations on a great season, certainly to the team, but also to you, just banging out killer calls game after game in the American Hockey League. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Huss. Uh, it's, uh, it was busy day today. I think the final count was 19 interviews throughout the, uh, the exit interview day. Everybody was coming in in pretty good clips, so we were able to get through everybody and get me over here in good time. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's one of those days. I mean, every, every year it's kind of like that, uh, oh, the season is really done because uh, you walk into the rink, it's like any other day, but then all the bags are packed up and uh, everyone's shaking hands and saying their goodbyes or saying uh, going through all that process. So uh, a tough day to be sure. Um, I think there's a little bit of disbelief, uh, especially with how things went down in game five. I think uh, 
uh, lo- losing is one thing. Um, catching a couple bad breaks like that is certainly another. But uh, you know what? Uh, like you said in the intro there, Huss, this team battled till the, the last possible moment uh, until there were there was no time left on the clock. And I think, uh, you know, what the, they can be proud of that and folks can be proud of their team. Well, and listen, I mean, I was at game number one, um, you know, on a couple of Fridays ago. And I'll be honest, I mean, I've got a lot of respect for the guys that the Moose have in the lineup, but just seeing all the players that came back from Nashville, and I was afraid that this was going to be a short series. And, man, I mean, after getting off to a poor start, they really did battle. You win in overtime in Game 2, you win in overtime in Game 3, and you're just on the verge. But um, there were some weird things that happened. I mean, there's no other way to put it. Starting off in Game 4, was it 1-1 with the delayed penalty? the moose ready to go on the power play. And uh, I, I'm not sure if that's happened in the last few years with the moose, but an own goal going over Billy Hanel's stick all the way back in. I mean, that must've been a bizarre scenario for you to be calling it in. You know, you're just on the verge of getting a big advantage to maybe go up one. And all of a sudden you're down one. Um, as I said, bizarre is the only way I can put it. Yeah, I mean, would you believe me if I told you that's not the only moose own goal I've called in that building? <laughs> oh my God. You want to talk about deja vu? Yeah. Other end of the other end of the ice that time. Um, but uh, Andre Chibisov, uh, now he ripped that. He just spun around, fired it back to the point and it got airborne and went straight down the ice and in, there was no question. This one though, it was, I mean, Chisholm passed it back, and it took a hop. Like, yeah, the ice isn't great in that building this time of year, um, so that that can be a factor sometimes. It just kind of got out of the reach of of Vili Hainala, who uh, notedly didn't play the last game and uh, may have been banged up at that point. So you wonder if maybe if he's at 100%, maybe he can get to that puck. It's a long reach, something like that. But uh, it goes down the ice, and initially it was like, okay, well, that's that looks a little scary. Um, but it, it should it should just wind wide, wide of the net, but it just kept curling back towards the net, and then it hits the post and still has enough to trickle across the line, and that comes after the Moose had, I think, outposted, if you will, the Admirals about 9-4 to four or something like that, to that point in the series, or 10-2, to two, something ridiculous like that, and uh, it was just one of those moments that you go, okay, what type of effect is this going to have? Now, Austin Siragusa was down at ice level and said, you know what? Team was like, well, it's a bad break. Let's go get it back. And uh, I mean, they played quite well the rest of that night, or at least into the final game, but or into the final period. But it ends up being a game that's decided by a goal plus an empty netter. And then in the in game five, it's a one in a million chance of two players colliding and the puck popping straight out into the middle of the ice. And then Jansen Harkins colliding with Igor Afanasyev, and all of a sudden it's a two on one. And the Admirals uh, actually saw a stat about this today. I think they scored eight of their 10, I believe it was, uh, even strength goals within eight seconds of a turnover. So almost everything came off the rush for them at five on five. And Zach Sanford gets in there. Nice little move. Spencer Stastny, great skating defenseman. Nice job to recognize what was going on. Gets in there. And just like that, it's uh, it's 2-1. So it was, uh, and you go from the absolute high of the Moose tying that game up with two minutes to go. And when they'd had to, scratch and claw for any sort of shot to get through because Milwaukee done such a good job defensively. And then all of a sudden that happens. And uh, you know what? You can accept not being able to come back. You can accept losing in overtime. But when something crazy like that happens, that to a man or to a person, I should say, 
everyone has looked at me and said, I've never seen that happen before. And <laughs> that's just kind of encapsulated a lot of the moose season. I realize I've rambled on here a little while, but uh, no, it, it, many it was, times this season I've heard, I've never seen that before. So it's just kind of a weird way for it to all go down. But Well, and, and, and we I mean, are. the fact that it came right after Hark had tied the game up. I yeah. mean, in the fight that the team showed to get back in, and I was already, I was talking with Balls and a couple guys from the uh, from the org saying, oh, Fink is going to be ready for a Game 5 OT winner after the Game 2 and Game 3. I mean, this one will even be better. And unfortunately, it never ended up getting to that point. Uh, I, I imagine, I mean, this is a proud group um, that battled so hard to get back in the series after the start. I mean, it must have been a... Uh, I, I imagine, I mean, there's no other way to put it. I mean, it's a crushing way to go out for a team that had showed so much this season. Yeah, it, it's it, it, shock, disbelief. Uh, I mean, in, in some ways, you, you can't help but uh, to laugh almost morbidly about it because it, it's it's such a freak play. I mean, just a, a chain, a player changing and, and then kind of realizes what's going to happen and tries to stop and can't and, the player head down digging for that line to try and dump it in just doesn't seem coming. And even the way the puck skips out and just so cleanly creates that two on one. And yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a weird sport, right? Like it, the physics of hockey are continually astounding with some of the things that you see. And that was, that was one of them. I mean, two players can't occupy the space at the same time. So, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, you know what, I mean, this is a series that, if you told the Moose that they were going to go down to the the last possible moments of game five against that Milwaukee team, I'm sure they would have taken it. Uh, it's unfortunate how it ended up playing out, but I mean, this is, this is a team in Milwaukee that you have to give a lot of credit for being a very good hockey club. And the longer that series went on, you could see them starting to kind of sync up and those top lines. I mean, you have Kiefer Sherwood, Mark Jankowski, Phil Tomasino, who almost had 40 points last year in the NHL on that team. Um, and then you look at a, a, a dynamic young rookie like Luke Evangelista, um, a very good defensive core, a good young goaltender. I mean, they are a very good hockey team, and it should be a lot of fun to watch them and the Texas Stars go head-to-head. So I think a young Moose team against a much more veteran Milwaukee club uh, gave them all they could handle and then some. And like I said, I think there's a lot for that team to be proud of. I think there's a lot for Moose fans to be proud of about this team. Obviously, there's two big plays that stick out as being almost bloopers that uh, cost the team dearly. But uh, at the end of the day, like you know, like we talked about, the, they scratched and clawed and fought for every last bit of ice they had. And uh, that's all you can ask. Um, Fink, uh, you know, wrapping up the season, uh, nobody sees more of this team than you. Um, uh, you know, I don't know it's tough to kind of talk about this like right after the weekend losing. But when you look at this club, um, you know, we've, spent a lot of time talking about what Jansen Harkins was able to do from coming back from the Jets and the, the, the contributions of Dominic Toninato, who has signed a two-year extension with the organization on a two-way deal and could very well be a key part of the Moose going forward. But of the younger players, the drafted players, um, is there a player or two that, in your opinion, took, a, took really big strides and steps forward in their career um, over the course of this past season? 
Yeah, I, th- I think we heard some stuff from from Mark Morrison today. He was, seemed sounded really happy with uh, how Tyrell Bauer progressed throughout the season and mentioned that he didn't think that Bauer was going to get into as many games as he did. And then it got to the point where they were having troubles taking him out of the lineup. So uh, I think you like to see that from a, a young, especially defensive defenseman where he's focused on that end of the ice. It can be real tough for those guys to, to really cut their teeth in the AHL. It's a hard league to play defense in, and sometimes it can take a while. But uh, for Bauer, he built through his season season and uh, the coaching staff was pretty happy there. Uh, Morrison spoke today about Henry Neekin and how they really liked the start that he got off to and how quickly he seemed to acclimate to the game and then kind of plateaued and had to find uh, another level as the season went on but they liked how he started to develop as a player that could protect the puck go in and win big face-offs and that's another thing about this playoff series you're up against a very good face-off team in the Milwaukee Admirals so that's another challenge for a young player to take on they said Daniel Torgerson kind of started off slowly figuring out the league and, and making the adjustment and then in the second half of the season took some real big steps we saw him using his size more effectively things like that so I think the coaching staff kind of mentioned a few of those younger guys that that really made some nice strides and even a guy like uh, Parker Ford who came in at the end of the season and uh, uh, got his first taste of AHL hockey and earned himself a spot in the playoff roster uh, became an important piece for this team I think like, fans are really going to like the motor that he brings the the physicality and seems like there's some scoring touch there as well and Wyatt Bon Giovanni of course scores that big OT winner in game three uh, lethal th- threat on the power play scores 13 goals this season that's a pretty nice start to your AHL career so uh, there's lots of those young guys that, uh, that you can be excited about and though we didn't see them on the ice of course uh, players like Dmitry Kuzmin and uh, Nikita Chibrikov and um, Danny Zhilkin all join in the club late in the season. So I think there's there's certainly some young players in the pipeline that uh, both Moose fans, Jets fans, feel a lot of overlap there, um, can be happy about and looking forward to seeing. So And then, of course, you have your your mainstays, your Leon Gavankas, your Declan Chisholms, your, your Vili Hainalas, guys like that. And um, I guess I'd be remiss, too, if I didn't mention the, the playoff series that Oscar e. Salmonen had. I mean, you look at Salmon, and, and uh, the second half of the season, he struggled a little bit. You, you look at his last 10 of his last 11 starts, allowed three or more goals. And then in, he really credited the time that he got with the Winnipeg Jets and working with Wade Flaherty. And uh, I think uh, Drew McIntyre and, and Wade Flaherty had some uh, conversations about what they wanted him to work on. And he comes back to the Moose when they were reeling after that first game. I mean, both uh, Evan Cormier and Arvid Holman had a tough outing. Salmon comes in, and he was excellent throughout the series and gave them a chance to win in game five. So, I mean, there's another player who's a developing young goaltender for the Winnipeg Jets. So certainly uh, those, that's what you want to see. You want to see that progression and the, the Moose saw it in so many different ways. Well, you know, it's a great wrap up. And I mean, certainly speaking of Hanela, of Gavanka, of Chisholm, um, I think there's a very good chance that those players might be getting legitimate opportunities uh, if there's room with the big club because they won't have the... Uh, the luxury of being able to uh, not expose them to waivers right now. And that's part of the dance that happens with the uh, NHL and American league of, of younger players. Um, Congratulations on a great season. Mm, you killed it in the booth all year long. We always appreciate you jumping on with us to talk about the latest goings on with the club. And uh, no one deserves a couple days off more than you think, but uh, I know there's a lot of work to be done this summer. Thanks for everything. 
Thank, thanks a lot, Huss. Appreciate your support throughout the season. And to everyone watching again, we appreciate your support all season long to fans, sponsors, everybody who tunes into the broadcast, comes out to the games. Uh, you know what? You're what make it worthwhile. I mean, the, the, the crowd in the, those two games, uh, in those playoff games was incredible. And it's with your support that we're able to, uh, one, enjoy doing this in Winnipeg, uh, our community initiatives, things like that. A lot of it's through the generosity of our fans. And uh, you're incredible. And thanks so much. And of course, we'll uh, be checking in plenty throughout the summer with lots of great content as well. You got it. Take care. There is that uh, Dan Fink, the uh, voice of the Moose. You can follow him on Twitter at Daniel the Fink. And of course, all the uh, Moose wrap-up content will be available over at moosehockey.com. Um, we got to give a, a very public thank you, Reem, to one Kirk Contois of Assiniboia Downs who joined us on Friday, and I hope people were listening to Kurt because Kurt nailed the Kentucky Derby with this pick of Mage, who came from behind to win at about 17-1. to 1. So uh, shout out to anyone that rode with Kurt. Uh, we will definitely get Kurt on before the Preakness to hopefully get another winner. Uh, but great, great weekend at the Downs for the Kentucky Derby. And uh, it won't be too long. May 22nd, the the, uh, Monday of May Long Weekend, is going to be the first night of live racing at the track. So mark that down. May Long Weekend's going to be great. Goldeye's home opener on Friday. Opening of the track on Monday. Count me in for both. You can find out more on Assiniboia Downs in the upcoming season at uh, asdowns.com. Speaking of uh, good times and gold eyes games and whatnot, you know we're going to be enjoying some of that great little brown jug, including the brand new generic lager, which we've just launched. Hopefully they have that one of the ball games. Um, it's your basic lager, just better, impressively standard in the best way, light and clean to taste with a mellow flavor and a crisp finish. Now Manitoba can support local without having to make, uh, move away from the domestic taste they've come to expect with the light beer. I'm the sort of guy that has been waiting for a little brown jug offering like this. I love it. It is available on tap in some spots. I know the Osborne Tapos has it in the village, uh, but pop by and grab it at the tap room or at your local beer vendor. Look for generic and all the other great little brown jug offerings. Uh, Wyndham Clark ran away with the Wells Fargo on the weekend for our little golf report. Um, for an elevated event, did not see that coming and was a little bit anticlimactic. Uh, but we're just a couple weeks away from another major, and uh, we'll get ready for that here on Winnipeg Sports Talk in the coming weeks. But in the meantime, the courses are open, and Breezy Bend is looking beautiful. One of Manitoba's top private clubs with a championship course, top-notch practice facilities, and the best 19th hole around on their beautiful course-side patio. If you're uh, looking for a long-term home for you and your family at an amazing golf course with a great social scene, Breezy is the spot. Find out more at breezybend.ca or give our pal Corey Johnson a call for more information about becoming a member. And uh, there still is a little bit of availability at Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge. If you are this summer, if you're looking for a world-class fishing experience, with even more world-class hospitality from the great folks that uh, run it with the Turin family and uh, Pat and Janelle. Aikens is the spot. A perfect option for corporate events or outings to take your top customers or maybe a bit of a team-building retreat or just a great friends and family trip. Uh, About 90% booked right now for the summer. 
So if you do want more information on an Aikens Lake getaway, I'd get on that now. Give Pitt Turan a call at Aikens. You can find out more online at AikensLake.com. All right, we got to get to the cool bet lines. We will do three more draft simulations for tonight's draft lottery. Uh, but uh, let's uh, get Remo back in here just before we do the cool bet lines. Uh, Matt, I you know, appreciate Dan always for him coming on with us. But holy smokes, what a what a brutal way to lose. I mean, what happened on the weekend in Milwaukee? You almost couldn't write. The own goal in game number four and then tying the game up and then two moose running into each other, spurring on a two-on-one that ends up in the back of the net. Just absolute heartbreak for uh, our American League team. Yeah, it reminded me a lot of um, game three where Adam Lowry tied it up and then Marcheseau had that chance immediately after, except... Uh, except that he would have scored. That's what happened in the Moose game. They tied it up two minutes left, and then Milwaukee took the lead with 30 seconds left, so you don't get overtime. And um, what a, you go from a high to a low, and yeah, on that play, two Moose players ran into each other, springing, uh, springing the two-on-one. Uh, just a bizarre play after you, know, you lose by a goal in a game four with another bizarre play where you have an own goal on a delayed penalty. Very strange, very bizarre. Uh, what is Mark Shafley? I guess that's just hockey sometimes, right? Isn't that what Mark Shafley says? That's hockey? Yeah, well, that that unfortunately was hockey and mm-hmm. in the most heartbreaking way for the Manitoba Moose. On the other side of things, though, and I mentioned this coming out of that break, how about Kirk's pick of Mage in the Kentucky Derby ring? Incredible. And the interesting thing about Mage, I learned, I saw Darren Rovell tweet this, his owner... He's owned by this app called Commonwealth where you can pay to have a share of mm-hmm. a horse or a golfer. So I think that's great for um, for this app, and I wonder how it's going to go because I went to it, uh, joincommonwealth.com, and you go to athletes, and they have a couple of golfers. There's a lot of horses, though, and maybe the golfers we can get in on? Um, this, is the go- this is their app. So as low as I don't know how it works in terms of getting paid out. I think there were some questions about that. Maybe the SEC has to get involved or, or something here. But they have coming this spring, uh, 2021 NCAA champion Joey Verzik and uh, Cooper Dossie. Huh. I don't. Uh, he's on PGA Tour Canada. So I guess if you want to get it we'll on the ground floor. Scouting. We'll have to do some scouting here mm. and see what's up with this but Cooper Dossie when they comes in. That is wild, though, and that was a big part. You can get in for as low as uh, 50 bucks yeah. for a piece of mage, uh, and now a Kentucky Derby winner. That is uh, a heck of a story. And, again, we're looking forward to uh, – we're definitely looking forward to getting together with our friends at uh, the Downs very soon the 22nd of May. Um, let's get to the cool bet lines here, though, before we finish up with some more simulations. Oilers, big home favorite tonight, minus 181. Golden Knights, plus 152. And uh, if you do want to maybe be a little bit more aggressive on the Oilers side of things, not wanting to lay minus 181, Oilers in regulation is minus 115. If you think this one will go to OT, the regulation draw is plus 370. And the Golden Knights winning in regulation is plus 240. Um, the series odds right now, for any of you Leaf fans that are still holding out hope, 
<laughs> the Leafs are only plus 700 to win the series. Like that should be, I don't know, probably 20 to one, if not more. I mean, it's only happened, what, four times ever in the, uh, in the in NHL history. Uh, it, they're probably done. Leafs in uh, are there all are a favorite in game number four, which is going to be on Wednesday, minus one twenty three, Florida plus one hundred five to complete the sweep. Um, but yes, as I mentioned, that is where things are at. Dallas right now, though, after their loss last night, if you do like Dallas to still win the series, plus one hundred five for the Dallas Stars. The Kraken are minus one twenty five, and Jersey really got off the mat with that big win. Can they do it again? In round two, win a series after losing the first two. Well, if you like it, plus 170 for the Jersey Devils. Now, just over the exclusives, we got a couple lock shops tonight. These, these Ride with Dusties have been nearly automatic. Three of the last four cashed a 5-1 to one winner, plus 500 on the weekend. And this one's actually gone down already because of how many people are betting it. Dreisaitl to score, McDavid to get two points. Nuge to get a point, over one and a half power play goals, and Oilers to win. It basically has been the script throughout this series in the playoffs right now. That one was plus 400. <clears throat> it's now plus 370. And uh, I cooked up a nice little three-gamer, three-sport weekend on the weekend with the Jays, the Oilers, and the Lakers to win on Saturday. That one came through at plus 450. We're at it again today. We've got the Lakers to win against the Warriors, although the Warriors do make me nervous, plus 123. Uh, but Lakers to win, Oilers to win versus the Golden Knights. And we threw the Rays. Shane McClanahan, 6-0 and on the bump tonight. They're in Baltimore to take on the Orioles. Rays minus one and a half. That one, uh, geez, that one's obviously been bet down a bit too. It was plus 445, now plus 425. So those are the exclusives in the lock shop. Get it while it's good. We're afraid we're going to bankrupt Cool Bet. The guys were not too pleased with what we did to them on uh, on Saturday, but we do it for the people. So hopefully we can make that, uh, we can keep it rolling tonight. Otherwise, everything else up. I did mention those two NBA games tonight. Heat. Four-and-a-half-point favorites over the Knicks, minus 189 in the money line. Knicks plus 153. And the Lakers, after that 30-point blowout of Golden State in game number three, minus 145 favorites. The Warriors, who've stunk on the road all year long, plus 123. Have you watched much of the uh, basketball at all, Remo, or not so much? I'll be honest, I really haven't. I've been watching hockey and some baseball as well, but I've kept it. You know, I see all the social media chatter with this Warriors Lakers series, and of course, how can we forget the what Nikolai Jokic uh, pushing the Phoenix Suns owner? Right, <laughs> violent shove last night. That was uh, that was something else. I'm a big Jokic fan. He goes, "I was touched by a fan." Are they not protecting the players? which was a hilarious response that the, the, uh, the owner for his part said, no one should be fined or suspended. That's not what we want going forward. And uh, that's a series again, two, two now heading back to Denver. Oh, one other thing on cool bet, just before we finish off the show with some spins of the simulator ream. Uh, if you go to the bottom of the NHL section and click on NHL draft, there is picks for tonight's draft lottery. And it's very simple. Who will receive the first overall pick? So if you do want to get a sprinkle in on one of these teams, here's how it looks. What kind of the, odds is it? 
they the give ducks, you some juice on that? The Ducks are plus 240. <laughs> the Blue Jackets are plus 545. Blackhawks plus 655. Sharks plus 815. Habs plus 925. The Coyotes plus 1025. Philly plus 1250. Washington plus 1350. And the winner of our second spin earlier today, Remo, the Detroit Red Wings at plus 1650. St. Louis is 24 to 1, and Vancouver is 28 to 1. If you do want to throw a nickel down on. Okay. A literal lottery tonight, the ping pong balls in the National Hockey League's draft lottery to find out who's getting Connor Bedard in Nashville at the end of June. I'm going to have to get my calculator out to convert American odds to percentages so I make sure that I'm getting getting the right value. This is one of the few things where you actually have the percentage chance <laughs> of winning. So I trust... I trust Coolbet on this well, one. Well, I mean, listen, I mean, with something like this, I mean, it'll always be juiced in favor of the house. I mean, anything yeah. that is a straight is literally a straight lottery, as you mentioned. Um, it has, you know, it has the percentage. Of... <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so 25.5% by numbers is probably somewhere around four to one. So basically plus 290. So, I mean, listen, there's there's a bit of a gap on each one. That being said, if you want to throw ten on uh, whatever team that you're pulling for, it's entertaining. It is yeah. all there. Yeah, it it is it is all there. Yeah, it's this would not be something I'd be unloading the bankroll on, no. betting on it's... ping pong balls in the NHL draft lottery. And there are going to be people out there who say, "Oh, this draft lottery is rigged and all that stuff." Um, it's what overseen by accounting firm Ernst and Young. And I remember when we had Scott Brown on because he was in the room when they did the Line A yes. um, Matthews lottery, and he explained the process where it's not actually, you know, that you have a, each team has like a number of ping pong balls out of a thousand or whatever in a thing. I think each team is get what is however many digits. There's all these numbers in like a bingo roller, and you have a certain number of combinations, and you have to check your combinations list. Um, it's all technical off off air, but on air, Bill Daly is going to be holding up the sign of whatever team wins number one, and it's starting at seven o'clock here. And I will be tuned in, very anticipated. You know Maybe you would have lasted longer in the accounting field if you were involved in, like, if you were the NHL draft lottery guy. Maybe that's. It would have been a lot more interesting than probably the normal. <laughs> I will normal say accounting. I, stuff. I always. I'm reminded of my of my accounting days. Like, you know when we went we're at the Jets year end and all the reporters are asking them questions about how disappointing the end of the season was. It does remind me of going into like, you know, CEOs' offices and asking them, you know, can you tell me about this line item on your financial statements? It's very similar walking into a dressing room after a loss than grilling, you know, company owners about the about their income statement and balance sheet. Uh, <laughs> hey, we're having a lot more fun here, I think, than anything involving accounting. That's for sure. Oh, oh, Leslie Michnick says he's feeling insulted as an accountant. Sorry, Leslie. <laughs> hey, Leslie, you know what? The world needs accountants. And uh, credit to those that take care of that work that I think would numb many others uh, and did with Michael for a little while. And he's ended up in the right place. But uh, shout out to you and all the accountants out there for doing, frankly, what most other people do not want to do. Putting, and, and all the tax guys, too. Shout out to Mike Lay, 
who helped us out big time. That's another thing that, uh, oh, you need to have a special, a special skill set and ability to be able to do, uh, and, and, and the, the will to continue to do it. I know all those accountants have been working pretty much overtime for the last six weeks here, uh, leading in oh, taxi. Big time. So shout out, shout out to them. Mike, Mike and uh, I know there's a couple of other um, listeners. I think Bruce, who won the uh, won the the marble race a couple of weeks ago, this is the time they get the hell out for a little bit. They worked like 20 hours a day for six weeks leading up to the deadline day. Now it's time to go have some fun. So shout out to the accountants out there. All right. Speaking of the accountants, let's get the uh, draft sim up for three more spins for sure. tonight's draft lottery. Well, People were asking. I'm obviously this will be on Sportsnet. I mean, yeah, I like everything right now. Uh, they're the uh, they're the national rights holder. It will all be there. And uh, as they say, I know Phyllis is in on Columbus. I'd love I'd love for it to be Columbus as well. That would be. Uh, be great the one other team that's not in the mix to get it is buffalo um i'm big on buffalo uh much like columbus but especially buffalo they've just had such hard luck for so long be great to see some things go their way they could make a big move up but they're not in those top 10 teams that is eligible for the first pick yeah i think it's fair that the teams we want to see Philadelphia, Detroit, Columbus. I could go with the Vancouver, St. Louis. Oh, no, not St. Louis. They're in the Central Division. Vancouver for the hometown kid story. Uh, Washington, sure. If they were, that would be kind of crazy. If that they, would that, be. That would be crazy. I don't think it's like possible, but imagine him and Ovechkin. That would be crazy. Well, we, we picked it. Detroit was the second one that came up, and they've got longer odds mm-hmm. than the Capitals. So uh, anything is possible for these 10 teams. Wouldn't it be crazy if Vancouver, with the longest odds, won it? And I mean, listen, I can't stand the Canucks. I've always hated them from, you know, the battles with the Jets back in the 90s. But we've talked a lot about how great it would be to get some hometown talent and uh, here in Winnipeg for a BC kid to uh, end up on the Canucks. I mean, that would completely change that franchise overnight. Um, they haven't had a good run uh, run as of late. All right, Remo, fire it up. Tankathon.com. Mm-hmm. Let's... Uh, Let's see what we've got. For oh, three it's more not on the screen. I'm like, re- I'm like ready to hit the button and yeah. no one can see it. Sorry. <laughs> there you go. And if you want to have some fun uh, with this on your own, uh, it is uh, Tankathon. And mm-hmm. uh, here we go. Again, if you missed it earlier, the Ducks, 25.5%. Columbus, 13.5%. Chicago, 11.5%. San Jose, 9.5%. Montreal eight and a half, Zona seven and a half, Philly six and a half, Washington six, Detroit five, St. Louis three and a half, the Vancouver Canucks a three percent chance of winning the ultimate prize, which is of course Connor Bedard. All right, I'm hitting it already. Here we go. Here we go. Washington. Washington. Moving up seven. That would be wild. From Ovechkin to Connor Bedard. Washington, Montreal, and Anaheim in this scenario. So both Washington and Montreal making the big moves up. And uh, Anaheim, Columbus, Chicago all moving down one. All right, we've got two more here. And there's Columbus. Phyllis will be happy. Columbus, Anaheim, Chicago. Connor Bedard joining Johnny Gaudreau and Patrick Laine in Seabus. All right. And our final Sim Lottery today on WST goes to 
Montreal. The Montreal Canadiens. No, no, no. We don't want it. No. no I, I don't want to hear not. these Montreal fans on social media. Hear, yeah, Dubois feeding to Bedard for uh, the next 10 years. That's not something <laughs> I want to... <laughs> not something I want to engage even the even the possibility of. Uh, anyways, if you want to have some fun with that, Tankathon is where it's at. And uh, Remo, we will certainly have a lot to talk about tomorrow with the aftermath of the draft lottery and the complications that makes for around the league, as well as, of course, a big game tonight between the uh, Oilers and the Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that game. For sure, the draft draft lottery at seven. So we'll have a lot of that aftermath. Um, couple couple things before we go, Hus. Brian Little inducted to the Cambridge Sports Hall of Fame on the weekend. He yep. said it would be an honor to retire as a Jet. Uh, sign a one day contract with them after his current contract with the Coyotes ends. Remember, he was his contract was traded to the Arizona Coyotes. Does he have another year after this? Let me just double check, but that I, I imagine they would have Brian Little night, something, right? Oh, absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely, Brian Little. I mean, the sooner that can happen, the better, as far as I'm concerned. Love to get Brian on the show too, as well. Just to just to catch up with him. He was such a popular uh, and important player for this franchise, and, mm-hmm. and we talk about some of the things that have happened, um, you know, with this team <clears throat> internally and on the ice. Um, still missing Brian Little um, over the uh, over these yeah. last few years, and I'll never forget, never forget being at that game against New Jersey when uh, that happened. I mean, one of the scariest moments that uh, we've had in Jets 2.0 history, and uh, unfortunately, the last time we got a chance to watch such a great Jet wear uh, wear the uniform. Um, hey, Schickster, uh, just wondering if you're not picked number one, do you just go to your pre-approved position? They draw three balls. So, I mean, the worst that a team can do is move down three spots. Um, but again, unlikely that that happens. But you'll they'll, they'll basically get up to the top four. And if teams jump, when they don't see them in their regular spot, you know they're in the top three. So um, that's essentially. The Ducks are at number one. The worst that they could pick is fourth overall. Yeah, and... Uh, what else? What else did I have in there? I think that was about it for the notes. I do want to say we are launching a, the mailbag segment for this summer, where yes. we take listener questions. I posted it on our YouTube community. Um, you know, you can go to our website, windexportstalk.com, click contact, submit qu- about anything, any type of question. We got some good ones about you, Hustler. People want to know more about more about you and the questions I've received. Oh, I so I can't wait. see. I cannot wait yeah. to see these. <laughs> oh, and then uh, a couple. I'll things. answer them honestly. I'll yeah. answer them honestly. And uh, and uh, Little's contract. He's got one more year after. You know, he's got the next season, and then Julian corrects in chat that it's only two balls now, um, for the for top two spots for the lottery. Oh, excuse they, me, they I stand corrected. That. That's right. They did tweak that. They change it every year. It seems. So Anaheim, the worst case scenario for Anaheim is the third pick overall. And again, this is a deep, deep draft. Uh, you've got that Michkov, the um, the Russian, Adam Fantilli, who will likely be the number two pick. And of course, Zach Benson of our own Winnipeg Ice, um, you know, will likely be top five, top six player taken in the draft. So lots going on. Oh, and speaking of the ice, we are going to, this is a huge weekend or a week for hockey, even with the, the Moose now being out as well. 
because the ice are hosting the WHL final Friday and Saturday. There might be a few standing room tickets left. If you don't have tickets already, get on that right now and see what you can do. We still don't know who the ice are playing because Kamloops Blazers went into Seattle last night and won 4-2. That was on Saturday, actually, I should say. So it's 3-2 for the Thunderbirds, along with Jets prospect Brad Lambert. Tonight, they are playing in Kamloops. Seattle and Kamloops, game number six. And if Kamloops wins that game at home, they're back to Seattle tomorrow. Back-to-back nights for a deciding game seven. And then the winner will get on the plane, I presume, to get to Winnipeg for Friday and Saturday for game one and two of the Western Hockey League playoffs. And don't forget as well, the uh, MJHL is hosting the Centennial Cup. The Portage Terriers are. Steinbach Pistons are the champions of the MJHL. Portage is the host team also in it. So two Manitoba teams playing in the National Junior A Championship. That gets going on Thursday. And uh, we'll have Eric Swar from the MJHL kind of pop by in the next couple of days to tee that one up. But if you are in and around the Portage area, going to be some great hockey on the weekend. Two of our Manitoba teams. So we'll wish the, both the Pistons and the Terriers luck. But we will catch up on that before we uh, before we get to the weekend. Probably on Wednesday, we'll do a little bit of a Centennial Cup preview on the show. Yeah, that should be fun. And the big news, uh, non-sports, we'll finish with this. Has Sum 41, the band, announcing that uh, they're breaking up. But not before they, they come out with an album and go on a farewell tour. So what a great way to get interest for your new album and tour than saying... Uh, you're done. They've been around for a long time. Huge fan of some for when they played at the Heritage Classic, it was incredible. But gotta gotta get that last chance interest in. So I don't know when bands <laughs> when bands say that they're like have big announcement like that, they're breaking up. But hey, here's our here's our tour. You do think it's more of a Tickets publicity? Tickets on sale stuff. now for our world tour. Yeah, Kiss <laughs> has been doing that for 20 years. Motley Crue's done it five yeah. or six times. I mean. Aerosmith's doing a farewell tour right now, actually. I'm disappointed they're not coming here. I was supposed to see them in 2007, I think. And then Steven Tyler fell off the stage at some other show, and the show here got canceled. So that's just another one of the canceled uh, Winnipeg concerts I've had tickets to. I have I have really, really tough memories of Aerosmith concerts. Not Not that... Not that the concert wasn't great. It's just that I, I, I think back... I was, you know, a kid in high school or whatever, and the Aerosmith Pump Tour came to Winnipeg. And to get money for a ticket to the show, I sold three Brett Hall rookie cards. Oh, I you did? Seven bucks each, like 20, 21 oh. bucks, and got a ticket to the show. Which set which was tells that? tells you how long ago this was. Tells you how long ago this was that oh. you, know, you could get for 24 bucks or whatever a ticket to an Aerosmith concert. But... Um, you yeah, could probably not buy great, one for that. Was not great asset management back in the day for a young Haas. Hey, you can I, get I, I a graded ten on that. Graded ten Brett Hall look rookie cards like eighty bucks or so. So I think with inflation, we're actually oh, okay. making money. Yeah, well, you know what? That actually could be true. I mean, listen, the guy went on to have a career. That the problem with those cards is just there was a million of them, um, literally a million of every card back then. Yeah, like, that was kind of when everything was. Uh, was exploding. 
you can get you can still get one for pretty cheap. So I think you made the right move, Hus, based based on what you just said. Okay, well, good. I don't feel as bad. You don't shouldn't feel bad. It was great. Loving an elevator, the pump tour. What a what a great moment that was. Yeah, never saw. I never saw Aerosmith. That's one of my regrets. They've come here a bunch. I just I had tickets that one time, but I never saw them. Oh. They're on a feral oh, tour. But, but, uh, yeah, Mike some... Cocker in Winnipeg. Aerosmith final tour is in Mini on Monday, November thirteenth. Hopefully, the Vikes play on the twelfth. Nicely done. Nicely done. Uh, and then Aerosmith is awesome. I saw them in Fargo. And kiss like five times. Exactly. There's been a million kiss farewell tours. And they're coming back to Winnipeg. I'm, I'm going. Get your tickets now for Canada Life Center. Uh, I, hey, I'm a big kiss guy. I'm sure I'll be at that show as well. You can keep doing farewell shows. No one puts a gun to your head and forces you to go. Um, all right. We got to get these pods up, folks. Uh, great show today. Thanks for everyone that popped by. Hit that red subscribe button if you haven't already and tell a friend about Winnipeg Sports Talk. Thanks to the sponsors that make the show happen each and every day. Enjoy the draft lottery and tonight's hockey game. We'll have lots to get to tomorrow on the program. Mike McIntyre with more on the Winnipeg Jets offseason and a little more on Bomber Rookie Camp coming up starting on Wednesday as well. For Michael Remus, I'm Andrew Patterson. Have a great night. We'll see you tomorrow, 1 p.m. live on YouTube on WST. Oh my God! Shut it down! Let's go! Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.